Ladies and gentlemen, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our studios in beautiful Northwest Pennsylvania. Uh, we broadcast live each and every weekday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Global Star Radio Network. We are live with video on YouTube as well as Blog Talk Radio Network. Um, we have two websites that we use, HagmanReport.com and HagmanAndHagman.com. HagmanReport.com is for the news and information as well as some show information, and Hagman and Hagman is for the show. We got a lot to get into tonight. Uh, it's a, it's a heavy news day as it has been, you know, for the last few months. And we have a, a great guest coming on, Patrick Wood of Technocracy News, author of Technocracy Now. He will be joining us at 7.30, and we're going to get into, uh, some current events as well as, um, what's going on in the world of, of technocracy. With all the the artificial intelligence and the transhumanism, and uh, it's going to be a very interesting show. Want to jump right out <clears throat> and get into this? There's a lot in the news about Donald Trump today, and stemming back to James Comey, and then the, from yesterday's Washington Post. But I think the real story today is Seth Rich, the murdered DNC staffer, and I believe that some of this other information is coming out. Joe, take this home. Take, take go ahead and, and run with this. Run to me. This is the most important underreported story, and if people don't understand how important this is, I'm going to tell you right now. Look, folks, it's a war out there. You know, uh, Robert Spencer was poisoned in Iceland. Do you know that? No. Robert Spencer, Jihad Watch, was poisoned in Iceland. So it's it's bad enough that we've got we we've got these democratic um, uh, enemies, democratic enemies, we progressive communist enemies, we've got Muslim enemies, we even have Republican and in some cases conservative Christian enemies. Well, yeah, let's get it's into getting that. It, it, it take take some take some time on Seth Rich, folks, or uh, Joe, folks, listen to this, please. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to Seth Rich. Um, that is definitely the most important story of the day, of the week, of the month, in my opinion. Um, but just a little bit about what came out today that is trying to bury, uh, not only bury the, the Seth Rich story, which is getting censored on, on places like Twitter and online forums, uh, which is a somewhat we can get into later. But today, James Comey, on the heels of the what many are calling the fake news Washington Post report, and we'll explain why they're saying that if we have time in this segment. So James Comey today has come out, right? He's come out with, with new information that has led CNN to call for impeachment again this week. You know, last week it was ice cream, two scoops of ice cream. This week it's it's hearsay from Comey. And the headline on Drudge uh, says it nicely, the Comey Diaries, Revenge Commences, Leaks Turn to Flood. Now what, what Comey is alleging happened... And he doesn't have any any proof to to back this up. Now, remember when Trump fired James Comey, the head of the FBI, last week? 
Trump made a statement about Comey leaking information and uh, tapes that Trump had of their conversations. He said, before you leak anything, think of uh, in all release tapes of our conversations. So today Comey comes out and says that during a meeting he had with Trump, that Trump asked him to close the investigation on Michael Flynn. Now keep in mind this request was not given in writing. There is no proof of this. But Comey, apparently the day after the meeting, wrote this information down to to log or, or to keep track or keep progress of their meetings together. So there's a headline going out that a Comey memo states that Trump asked him to end the Michael Flynn investigation. Now, that, that's not really a memo. It's from Comey's notes from the conversation. So this broke on the New York Times today, and we can, we'll get into that a little more if we have time. There's a lot of, of moving pieces uh, with this. Now, back to yesterday, and I wonder if yesterday's Washington Post post-release uh, of that story was timed due to this Seth Rich story that was breaking. Because this Seth Rich story isn't something that happened overnight. This has been an ongoing investigation. As the family of Seth Rich hired a private investigator, former uh, retired uh, D.C. homicide detective Ron Wheeler. And what's interesting about this is what Fox News is reporting, that 96 hours after Seth Rich's murder in D.C., the FBI was in possession of information that showed that Seth Rich was in contact with WikiLeaks. Not only that, he released 44,000-plus emails to WikiLeaks. Now, the FBI knew this four days after the murder and never released this information. The police chief was told to stand down with Rich's murder. Now, some new information is coming out um, by the private investigator and the an FBI f- forensic report of Rich's computer again generated within 96 hours after Rich's murder showed he made contact with WikiLeaks through Gavin McFadden, a now deceased American investigative reporter and documentary filmmaker, and director of WikiLeaks who was living in London at the time. The federal source told Fox News. Now uh, he goes on to say, uh, the federal investigator says, "I have seen and read the emails between Seth Rich and WikiLeaks." This is what the federal investigator told Fox News, confirming the McFadden connection. The emails are in possession of the FBI, while the stalled case is in the hands of the Washington Police Department. Now, um, i got to find this, and I'm going to fill in some gaps here while I do. There is some new information about what happened with Seth Seth Rich that, and I'm not sure... Uh, what this news agency is. What's this poll? P-O-L. Some people know what this is. I've heard it referenced before. Apparently some on, anonymous online um, internet sleuths. But they dug up a police report. Now, the police report states when the cops, when the police officers found uh, Mr. Rich shot on the ground in the back, he was alive. It also says in the report that the cops were wearing body cameras at the time. And leading to questions being asked, is there anything on those cops' recordings, on their body cams, that would be any kind of useful information? But that's neither here nor there. The Again, the real issue is, 
um, multiple sources, including the private investigator, Mr. Wheeler, who was hired by the family, has broke the story that Seth Rich was the leaker to WikiLeaks from the DNC. Now, you remember the DNC refused to hand over their computers to the FBI during the email investigation when the DNC said it was hacked by Russia. Um, and Hillary Clinton has continued to use this as an excuse as to why the uh, she lost the election. So so we have the Seth Rich information. Now back to Comey. Um, what's happening with Comey? Will we see Trump release these tapes? Uh, as we saw from yesterday and today, both the New York Times and the Washington Post continue to push um, what some are saying is fake news, others saying is, is you know just made up. But make no mistake, this is a, a political war we are in, and we see uh, the craziness that this is bringing. Now, Comey, according to many Democrats and Republicans, has no credibility until he got fired. Then everybody wanted to jump on the bandwagon about how terrible Trump was and how he was a dictator. Now remember, <clears throat> Comey has a long history of covering up the truth for Hillary Clinton, as well as keeping her from, from being prosecuted, as we saw in the email case. So when we see uh, these reports come out with no proof, no basis in fact, only taking Comey's word for it, you have to wonder, you know, is this legitimate, which I, I don't for a second believe it is. Now, back to the, the Washington Post story from yesterday. What do we know that we did not know when we talked about this yesterday? And there's quite a bit there. We know that with with uh, there were three people in the room, not including Trump and, and the, um, the Russian ambassador who was there. But uh, McMaster made a statement today. And it was interesting. He says that information Trump shared with Russian officials was wholly appropriate. And he also said that uh, the information, what, what Trump shared was not classified. And and then there's more there that, that he said that you know, Trump didn't know who the source was that actually was outed due to this Washington Post report. Now, Dad, i got to get your opinion on this. I don't know if you've been paying attention to some of the updated information from the, the Washington Post report and what McMaster yes, said today. Yes, I have. Where do you think the information came from? Do you think it was made up? Because I believe, after thinking no, about No, I think it, that there's a third part. I mean, I, I think the information went from that room to a, to an intermediary and from the intermediary to the newspaper. Okay, you have to understand the Washington Post, CIA, uh, New York uh, Times. Oh, yeah, Amazon. Jeff Bezos right, owns right. the Washington Post. New York Times, FBI. You know, for example, why was it released to the Washington Post as opposed to the New York Times? Again, <laughs> excuse me, the, the, um, the, the recipient, the intended recipient, um, is, or the, I should say the, um, the funnel of the information. You identify that mode, the delivery system that, uh, of the information you're going to identify the leaker. So I, I, I truly believe that it, the information went into, to the Washington Post from a third party, obviously outside of the room, but had access to the notes and information inside the room. Um, and from there, of course, you've got 
the likely suspects, and I'm not going to go through the likely suspects, but I, I will say that the uh, the end result here is impeachment, impeachment of credibility, impeachment politically, and the entire destruction of the Donald Trump administration. The people are, and we have to look and think bigger, I believe. We have to think bigger about this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not about just taking down or taking out Donald Trump. This is about making our country ungovernable. Now think about that for a minute. And that's their stated goal. Correct. So how do you do that? Well, you have to have internal penetration. Penetration from within, we have that. They're now working their plan. They made the plan, and now they're working the plan. But this this story, this report, and I watched, I mean, I had MSNBC on just to watch the reaction of Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. And, of course, the people they have on with them, the other guests. And you even have some of the Republican conservative senators and such talking about how terrible this is. Well, when you, when you start throwing out word, um, the descriptive terms about the, uh, about the leak, certain words and catchphrases to me indicate where this is coming from or who this is coming from and who the intended audience or who the intended filter of the information, the intended recipient might be. And there's a new, um, well, relatively new, and it was new to me when I, when I heard about it. I think it's shared blue. Is that it? yeah? That's yeah. That's we talked about shared blue, we, right? Well, which I, is a key. I've heard it before, and it didn't register until uh, a few weeks ago. But these these are the organizations um, that are fighting the Trump presidency and fighting any any resemblance of anything that's normal in this world. Uh, but the shared blue seems more politically motivated. But they get their talking points, you know, directly from these, uh, you know, media matter think tanks that have been embedded in the Obama administration. It seems that the Obama, Hillary, you know, the Podestas are intertwined with these um, companies that disseminate information and disinformation specifically for the goal of, of what my father said is undermining the president and the government and the president's credibility. One of their goals so, is to wear... Well, wait a second. Down. Don't, don't forget about the DHS takeover of the election process. That does play into current current times right now because this is going to come into play through the invocation of perhaps the 25th Amendment, Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. Um, or if, in fact, well, in future elections. But nonetheless, just remember, everything that Obama did on his way out the door has a purpose for today and has an intended purpose for later right. on in the week. Go ahead. One of the, the One of their goals is to wear down the... People who voted for Trump to wear down the the Trump supporters who are who are you know online every day, commenting, posting articles, writing articles. They want they want to wear down the the uh, not only the moral fabric of this country, but they want to wear down the the political uh, base that supports the Constitution, that supports the agenda that Trump put forward. Now we said it last week. Trump is just a, a byproduct of a movement, a political movement in this country that wants to restore 
you know, the Constitution, restore uh, liberties, to remove, you know, the overbearing government, to enforce the existing laws and, and rectify laws that are uh, and taxes that are are there to obstruct and to to hinder and to steal from the people. Now, Trump is just the face of this agenda. He was the one politician who put these issues in front of the public and ran on that platform. Trump is just the uh, over, he's just the target right now because of, he's the face behind the agenda. But their real goal is to wear down, not Trump, the people who supported the agenda Trump ran on. And this uh, harnessing resistance to the president and to the president's supporters and the supporters of the agenda has a, a specific goal of not changing people's minds, but to get sick of the actual president and with that if we were to toss him aside we would be tossing aside much of what he he promised to do which was you know remove these burdens these taxes and to restore freedoms and and we've seen him have a very successful you know first hundred days even with the uh, blocking of his travel ban and the number of other things that he's uh, received opposition and trying to implement and you know we're only you know, 130, 140 days into this presidency. And at the rate we're going, uh, people are either going to be completely turned off to politics forever, or as we see on the, the other side of this, the completely, uh, you know, the brain dead social justice politically correct movement that is just continuing to reach mind boggling proportions with, uh, you know, we were reading a story today, and I want to touch on this about, um, Michigan University students felt Masculated by the the wood in one of their you know iconic academia buildings in Michigan University. No, that's just ridiculous. It is though. ridiculous. I mean, it's, and the, it's totally ridiculous. But more to the point, the political violence from Antifa and the left, as you know, the the Huffington Post put out basically a manifesto that said uh, these these people uh, should not be able to eat a meal in public or in person without you know being protested. They should be protested wherever they go. They should be protested in their homes. And violence might be needed in order to to bring this about. That's that was the report from the Huffington Post on on this political violence. But what they want to do is they want to completely destroy um, not only the president but what the president stands for and his agenda. And if they're able to do that, it would be the same effect as if we voted Hillary Clinton as president months ago. Well, and, and that's the key. That is the key, and that's what they're trying to do. So whatever, yeah, go ahead. whatever you think about all this stuff. Don't let it wear you down. Don't buy into the propaganda. Don't react to this news because it's always, it's always a lie, it seems. And this is no, the last few days is no, nothing different except when you see the overwhelming amount of lies coming in to try to cover up stories with actual merit or like we saw with the Susan Rice unmasking scandal. That story got covered up just as fast as it came out. Okay, never to be heard from again. And don't forget the unmasking aspect. That's got many uh, intonations to it. But 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 think of this: uh, 2005, the NSA began the the wholesale collection of information, and Judge Napolitano was uh, was talking about this: the uh, the collection, wholesale collection of information of everyone's information. Then that was beginning and really in earnest in 2005, the digital collection. Then you've got the um, data the data. Um, uh, filing, storage, and sifting, and then of course you've got the third part of this, which is the unmasking, and that's 
Just keep that in mind. We, we had talked about that earlier. Now, to go back to what you were saying before, this does tie in, by the way, to Seth Rich, the Seth Rich murder. Again, I believe that the Seth Rich murder is perhaps the single most important story right now that we should really be focusing on. Um, there's WikiLeaks emails where there's conversations between Podesta, uh, Jennifer. Yes, like, yes. Where they talk about, you know, how to handle some of this dissent, uh, against the Clinton campaign. And they're dealing with the, the pro-Trump supporters online where they even say, you know, should we make an example of these people? And, and this is a conversation, you know, where people are going back and forth. And in one of the emails, they said, well, uh, remember Seth Rich, you know, right. dot, 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 meaning, you know, if, if they need to, they would, uh, murder you for, for whatever reason they, they perceive if you, you know, are leaking information. Um, and I think right. that was not, that had to do with specific leaks inside the campaign. But that's in the WikiLeaks emails. I, I pulled that up again this morning, and I should uh, yeah. That out in fact, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be doing a, re- a report on this, a, a pretty lengthy investigative report on this. I believe this is important. That that is the Seth Rich murder. That uh, now the the uh, PI uh, Roy Wheeler. Look, I I do believe that he did. He was told by the investigative some of the investigators in DC to that that they're slow walking the investigation now. Usually, if a, a a private investigator, that's it's not like on television, of course. There's a relationship that does develop if you're working for the same side, working for justice for the family, for example, or to solve a murder. The police, the district attorney, in general, will welcome the assistance from a, a, a PI. This has been my experience. I've talked to other PIs who've worked in in D.C., Los Angeles, and other cities. It's been their experience as well. And I do believe the statement that has been oh discounted by the uh, D.C. police that uh, uh, that they're that essentially D.C. police has been told to to back off. Now, having said all of that, who is ultimately behind all of this? If you go back, and I think that that history, uh, recent history, the development of Obama's organizing for America, the creation of the thirty-two thousand five hundred twenty-five foot soldiers. And the 200 field field offices under Obama, you've got uh, the outgrowth from that, or at least groups on the parallel path. The path with that, you've got disrupt J20, which is uh, which Michael Moore has promoted. You've got Americans Take Action, Workers World Party, which of course is a communist uh, uh, party. You've got Answer, which is Act Now to Stop War and End Racism Coalition. You've got Progress Unity Fund, DC Anti Fascism Coalition. You got Refuse Fascism fascism.org and then under all of those you've got the paid idiots out there and some and you can you can see this too on, on the various forums a lot of people uh, will say why well, you know I, I did never got my check you know kidding around saying that they're not paid and, okay there are there's a core group of people that in each of these protests and each of these groups are getting paid uh, in fact even I would venture to, to, to suspect from Soros funds. Now, these are the groups uh, that we from the Northeast Intelligence Network are infiltrating or have infiltrated. I can't go into the operational details, obviously, at least not at this point. But, but a lot of the, uh, a lot of the icons of these groups are some House Republicans, including Paul Ryan. You've got, uh, John, John Boehner, you know, of course, the previous Speaker of the House. Even now, his political expertise is being used to massage these, 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 uh, uh, groups. You've got uh, uh, Senate Republicans such as Lindsey Graham, of course, and Marco Rubio, even today, John McCain, and Chuck Grassley, and, of course, Ron Johnson. 
Now, interestingly enough, some of these people are recipients of the of Soros funding, in addition to uh, uh, many of the uh, Democrats. But but that's interesting. Now, to bring this all together, the WikiLeaks, the and I think this is so important to understand when you've got people within the administration telling Donald Trump, President, to, to classify WikiLeaks as a terrorist organization or on the same level as a terrorist organization. You've got a situation where the, uh, well, you've got new tools available to, to the government at that point. And I think this is what they're trying to do. And it was through WikiLeaks show, as you mentioned, that, that, uh, Seth Rich was identified as a leaker within the DNC. Isn't it interesting? We have leakers within the Trump administration who, who go, um, unmolested and are allowed to leak or are leaking the information. Uh, totally antithetical to the uh, to the objectives of Donald Trump. Now, all of this does come together at the end of the day because at the end of these strings or these paths exist Obama, Hillary, uh, Bill Clinton as well. Bill and Hillary, not so much Bill. He's out having a good time. Bill or uh, Hillary, of course. And then you've got some people who existed in supporting positions within the Obama administration. Those are the people who are doing the vast amount of work. And I do believe if you, and folks, I would also urge everyone to go back, take a look at, or take a look at George Webb at his YouTube channel. If you have, we've had him on our program. Uh, I spoke to him, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, about some things. Folks, he is doing a stellar job in uncovering a lot of information. We're going to have him back on the show again. George Webb. W-E-B-B, look up his searches YouTube channel, watch his reports. He does address the Seth Rich murder. And even back three, four weeks ago, maybe even two months ago, he was talking about this very issue. But this all connects. So, And, folks, we're coming up against the break. When we come back from that break, we're going to be joined by Patrick Wood of Technocracy News. Uh, Te- Patrick Wood's been a, a guest on our show in the past. And... Uh, He's, he's a great source of information of all things uh, technological, and we're going to get into that with him, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, stay tuned. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. 
Kirkus Review states, readers of end times fiction will be hard pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. Uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Folks, to this edition of the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Boy, I'll tell you what, this guest is, uh, he rocks the house wherever he goes. In fact, Patrick Wood is going to be at the Red Pill Expo keynote speaker on June 23rd, 24th in Bozeman, Montana. Ah, how do you like that? Um, that's right. Patrick Wood is our guest, uh, for the next couple of segments, man. I'll tell you what, Patrick Wood is a man that I, I love his stuff. I love to, to, to talk with him and to listen to him. I love to listen to him. He's got so much information and, and he's got so much good material. Before we get to Mr. Wood, um, let me just, let me just say this. Communications. Never been more important. I, I, I don't think communications, today communications are extremely important. Satellitephonestore.com. SatelliteFoneStore.com. You need to visit SatelliteFoneStore.com. You need to talk to Eric Tallman. Now, he's he's my contact person at SatelliteFoneStore.com. Have him fix you up with a satellite phone. In fact, you and, and perhaps your wife or you and another family member, have him fix you up with a satellite phone from SatelliteFoneStore.com. This is the place to go for all things satellite. <clears throat> okay? And this is fantastic. Um, as a matter of fact... They, they, they have specials that they, uh, to, for our Hagman listening audience, 
just tell him you're a listener to, to this program and uh, ask for Eric, and he will take care of you. Uh, there are many options that you can get. In other words, uh, you can get the devices hooked up to satellite. Imagine getting your Internet via satellite. But communication is extremely important, especially when things go sideways. You need reliable communications. This is it. Satellitephonestore.com. Check our outer friends there. Tell them the Hagman and Hagman Report sent you one more time. Satellitephonestore.com. And by the way, the, the, the prices for the satellite phone plans, they're comparable, in my view, to a current uh, cell phone plan. It, it's, it's amazing. I, I thought they were unaffordable. They're anything but. And especially the Iridium, the new, uh, or the Iridium satellite phones. They're fantastic devices. They're tried true by our, by our uh, team. They work and they work well. Satellitephonestore.com. Joe, I'm going to toss it to you. Let's bring on Patrick Wood. Yeah, our guest, um, this evening is Patrick Wood. Uh, he's an expert on sustainable development, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and historic technocracy. He's the author of Technocracy Rising, the Trojan Horse of Global Transformation. Man, fantastic. One of my favorite books. Oh, it's, it, yeah, yeah. And his, his website is technocracy.news. That's <clears throat> technocracy.news. Uh, Patrick, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Well, good evening. Thanks for having me on again. I always enjoy the airtime with you guys. You do a great job. Well, I'll tell you something. Our listeners and viewers enjoy uh, watching and listening to you. You always bring to the table fantastic information. Um, before we get started, let's talk about the event, the upcoming event. Uh, um, go ahead, and, and if you don't mind, tell people about the Red Pill Expo that's going to be taking place in Bozeman, Montana, this coming yeah. June. Yeah, well, everybody understands the red pill versus the blue pill paradigm that was made popular with the movie The Matrix many years ago. And that's kind of the concept of this conference. Um, it's being sponsored by Freedom Force International, uh, which is an organization that was started by G. Edward Griffin, who is the sponsor, co-sponsor, whatever, of Red Pill Expo in Bozeman, Montana. <clears throat> and uh, people will recognize G. Edward Griffin as uh, if if they never heard of him before, he's the guy that wrote the book on the Federal Reserve System. Uh, it's called The Creature from Jekyll Island. If you've never read that book or even heard of it, you need to go find out about it because it spills all the beans you need to know about the Federal, Federal Reserve. But uh, G. Edward Griffin is uh, still uh, just sharp as a tack, and he decided to put this together to <clears throat> help people break the, you know, break through the fake news barrier. Uh, so he's called together just a bunch of people. Um, I, I don't know how many speakers are on the roster right now. It's only a two-day conference, but it's going to be jam-packed with people that you need to hear from, I guess. Um, we've got people like, um, well, G. Edward Griffin himself is going to speak. And by the way, he's going to be coming, uh, not to interrupt you, he's coming on our show uh, G. Edward Griffin is going to be on in a couple of weeks as well. I think in advance of the expo uh, to give to give some additional coverage of, of the Red Pill Expo in Bozeman. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, you'll you'll love talking to him. He's a great guy. Uh, we've got Sheriff Richard Mack coming. We've got uh, uh, people like um, uh, uh, James Corbett is going to be skyping in from Japan. <laughs> it's, we've got uh, oh gosh. Um, <clears throat> we got um, uh, Caravan to Midnight uh, host um, uh, John B. Wells is going to be our MC. 
Fantastic. Uh, I know. He's got one of the best voices in radio ever. And, uh, he's a real freedom lover too. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a great lineup of speakers. People can go to redpillexpo.org and see all the speakers that are, that are on the list and that there's a little short bio on each one and you get an idea of what's going on. It's a fantastic conference. The price is completely manageable. Um, if you, you can't do something like this real cheap, it's not like $25 at your local tea party, party meeting, but uh, it's going to be a conference. It'll be the networking event of the year. We've, we've got so many mucky mucks coming that aren't speaking even. It's just, it's going to be a networking. I'd, li- I'd like uh, to, I'd like to draw, just be in the audience to listen to the, yeah. the uh, vast array of speakers that you've got, the talent there. Yeah, yeah exactly. So there hasn't, in my knowledge, I've been to a lot of conferences over the years. I can't think of anything since, you know, at least in the last 10 years, I can't think of any conference that's had this kind of schedule and lineup of speakers. I just haven't. Um so it's going to be interesting to see. This is kind of the first one that they've done like this. It's uh, it's unique. If it really goes well, we'll do it again next year. If it doesn't, we won't. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way things go. Uh, but so far, we've got a lot of people that have said, yep, I'm going to, it's Bozeman or bust, baby. And they're, and they're coming to Bozeman. And it's not the cheapest place to get to either necessarily, nor are the hotels the cheapest in the world because after all, it is Bozeman, and this is going to be in June, the best time of the year to be there. But you know what? Some people are driving their motorhomes up. They're pulling their trailers. They're going to go to Yellowstone afterwards. They're going to go up to Whitefish. They're going to go up to the national parks and stuff up there, and they're going to have a blast and play after they get their head cleaned out uh, by the Red Pill Expo. It's, it's going to be a great time. Well, Sounds was, like it. Yeah, thanks for that. And, and the last time Joe and I were in Bozeman, it was, I think it was June 1st or something. It was the first 2014. Part of June. 2014, right. Uh, so that's three years ago. And so roughly, uh, almost three years. Yeah. 2013 or 2014? Maybe 2013. Maybe. 2014, 2015, we're in Florida. 2013. 2013. Okay, so four years ago. Um, but, but as I was, as we were landing, I, I looked, looked out the, the airplane window and I'm pretty sure I saw somebody on, on a burrow. Uh, you know, to get to Bozeman. So, hey, you know, I know it's not the easiest place to get to. So, all right, Mr. Wood, what's on the agenda here? Let's, let's get into some, some meat and potatoes here of, uh, of the current issues. Where do you want to start? Wow. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I think I want to start by saying, by maybe just reminding people if they didn't already know this, that what got me started in this whole thing that we're into today, that we're talking about today, was the partnership that I had with uh, the late Anthony C. Sutton in 1978 through about 1982. And during that period of time, we studied and wrote about the Trilateral Commission. We were really the only ones at the time that were doing this, uh, from at least from a scholarly point of view. Uh, Sutton was uh, just before that with uh, the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. He's a research fellow. Prior to that, he's a professor of economics at UCLA. The guy was no slouch. He's a master researcher. And he got booted from Stanford, from the Hoover Institution, 
by the president of Stanford, David Packard, of Hewlett-Packard fame, who was also a member of the Trilateral Commission, curiously enough, and Sutton got too close, apparently, to doing some major research on this organization and what they were up to, and they didn't want him to do that, especially not under the auspices of the Hoover Institution, uh, which published all of his books. <laughs> so they uh, they managed to dropkick Sutton out of Stanford, ruined, ruined his career, completely destroyed his career. Uh, if you're a scholar and that's your business and you don't have a publisher, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, you got nowhere to go and nothing to do. So anyway, Sutton and I collaborated for um, about four years, and we wrote a newsletter called Trilateral Observer, and we ended up publishing two books, Trilaterals Over Washington. And those books let, uh, lit a wildfire a- across America. We sold a bunch of them. But we also ended up speaking around the country just to some incredible audiences and groups of people. We, we did radio programs. Uh, we did TV programs. We spoke in person. We debated members of the Trilateral Commission nose-to-nose and face-to-face and on the air and every other which way this Sunday. And uh, they finally got tired of us and wouldn't come out to play anymore. And we finally got ourselves blacklisted from beat-off booksellers altogether. Uh, that was kind of the kiss of death for our book, uh, but um, they didn't—they didn't like what we were doing and what the things we were saying, and you know we were exposing them for what they were. So um, that's what got me started, uh, guys, on researching technocracy. It started with the Trilateral Commission and, back and in the seventies. Yeah, that was in nineteen seventy-eight when that book came out, right? That's right. That's the first one. We had two volumes. Okay. And it's been out of print all this, all these years. Um, there's still some used copies available on Amazon and every once in a while you can find one for maybe 30 or 40 bucks, but I've also seen them on there for three or four hundred dollars. Exactly. A piece. And they're worth it. <laughs> It'll price me out of the game. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, and I'm the author, right? I got, I'm not going to buy my own book. Well, hey, let me tell you what, let me tell you what I have cooking right this second. I just, with the polishing touches today, as a matter of fact, earlier, um, on retypesetting volumes one and two. I'm combining them into a single book. And it's going to print within a week. And I'm really excited about that. Wait a second. A week from now? A week from now. I'm expecting, well, you know, things like this can take right. a little longer sometimes, but right. <clears throat> I've had experience with, with publishing and I, I think probably it's going to be about a week before we get it up on Amazon. And so, so, so you're, you're telling us you, you're going to republish volumes one and two from, from your original book in 78, Trilaterals Over Washington. Yeah. And it's coming out, it's coming out within a week, 10 days, a couple of weeks. That's what That's you're right. saying. Oh, That's man. That's exactly right. But let, and let me tell you why I'm doing this in particular. So I'll, I'll appreciate any money I get, we, you know, to help support the effort. But if I were to take Technocracy Rising as a third part of a trilogy where Trilatos Over Washington were the first two books, that would be a very appropriate thing for me to say. I have thought that many times, even when I started out writing uh, Technocracy Rising about three years ago. 
I thought even at that time that this is the rest of the story. This is the this is the um, the third the third book in a series. I couldn't call it Trilaterals Over Washington because these guys went global. In the meantime, from from the 70s to now, they're they're not just about America anymore. They're about the whole world. And so technocracy rising wasn't just about the United States. It was about the whole enchilada. But those three books need to be read together. That's that's why that's where I'm building up here. That that tells the rest the rest of the backstory on how I got to where I got to with technocracy rising. And these rats have been up to this uh, guys for all these years since 1973. It's 40 almost 45 years. They've been doing the same thing from day one. They told us what they're going to do. They did it. And now they're telling us what they did. And virtually nobody in the media has tracked this. I can't think of anybody. Uh, the names, the old names of renown that got a lot of traction editorially, people like Gary Allen, for instance, who sold, uh, none dare call a conspiracy, sold millions of copies all oh, over yeah. the world. Yep. He got, I mean, wow, that, talk about getting the word out. This is back when there was just, you know, you, you printed books and, uh, well, if you had a publisher, you got distribution, professional distribution, but, uh, you know, he, he, he distributed those books all over Tarnation. People just went nuts. We haven't had anything like that ever since. And a lot of people just don't understand where we came from, how we got to where we are today. And, it really struck me that I'm, I was an eyewitness. That's different than just being somebody who read a book about it. Right. You know? Right. I was there. We watched these people. We, we interacted with these people. We debated these people in person. Uh-huh. I can't just, I can't eventually, who knows what, how long, how many more years I got on planet Earth? Hopefully a lot. If I'm like G. Edward Griffin, I, you know, eat, do what he does, I'll, I'll be there, you know, 15 years from now too. But, you know, I look at this, I say, I can't, I can't let that experience die without telling people. So I felt it's so important finally to get Trilatos over Washington back in print so people can take both books together and get the whole picture of why we're where, why we are where we are today, how we got here, who the players are, you know, the whole nine yards. And I, I you know, I'd like, on one hand, I like to say, I'm really excited about this, you know, I jump up and down. Well, oh, this is going to be great. But you know what? It's, that's not, that's not the depth of what I'm feeling about this. This is my 40, over 40 year completion of a life's work. Hmm. And I'm probably going to write one more book, maybe two after this. But these three books constitute the trilogy. Indeed. And that's that's where I'm going with it. So when, when your listeners see that book up here, um, they'll know what it's all about. They heard it here. I told you. <laughs> that's fantastic. Wow. And, and the, the, the cover has been redesigned, by the way. So I, just to show continuity, the cover has been redesigned from the original cover. It's going to look similar enough to Technocracy Rising that you you, will, you won't mistake it. If you saw it together, like on a book table or in a bookstore, you go, oh, those two, yeah, those two books are connected because 
you know, one's blue, technocracy rising as a blue and green theme. The Trilatus over Washington is going to have a red and yellow theme. But the artwork's going to be very similar. All right, because of the trilaterals over Washington, I think the cover has the Capitol and then a dragon, drawing of a dragon over the Capitol. Right. Right, yeah. okay. Well, That's I'm right. excited. And, and thank you for, for announcing this on the Hagman and Hagman Report. This is great news. Um, uh, you, because your book, Technocracy Rising, answers a lot of questions. Um, uh, that, that, that's, uh, there, there's no wasted space or words in that book, I'll tell you. So, to, to get the benefit of the, the eyewitness, shall we say eyewitness accounts, um, yeah. from the first two and having the third as a, as a, you know, the final in a trilogy. That, that's fantastic. Uh, how far, Mr. Wood, how far in their agenda are these technocrats right today? I mean, how, how down this, how far down this road are we? I'm sorry to say they're almost home. Yeah. Their end game is, is very close to being completed. And, you know, it's a, for some, it's a real boring story. And I, I know most people are just go. They're going to say, "Who cares?" You know, we are where we are. It, uh, you know, we're all screwed. So what? You know, enjoy life, eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow, we whatever die. Um, other people like you and I are not satisfied just to say, "Oh well," you know, and go off and frolic in the grass. We want to know. And who are we to say anyway? that there might not be some kind of reprieve, even if it's from God Almighty himself, that would turn things back for a time if if citizens got engaged to the point where they figured out the monkey wrench to throw into these people's silly machine. We might. I'm not just going to give up for sure and say, well, let's, you know, just leave it to fate, go fishing. Um, I guess you could say you're responsible for what you do know. And if you plug your ears and cover your eyes. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Nah, 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 you know. Oh, well, okay. You're not going to know anything, And but I hate to say it. If anybody has that attitude, they're going to still be held responsible. If they had an opportunity to hear it and they just flat out put the earwax in and yep. said, I'm not going to listen to you, they're going to be held accountable, I think, at the end, too. But for the rest of us who know stuff, we have, we, we just feel compelled that we need to tell, we need to tell our story. And, um. Absolutely. You know, and, and I was thinking about you, and, and I know we, we, we really didn't talk before the program, we didn't script any of this. I was thinking about you, um, in, in advance of t- t- tonight's interview, I, I did bring your book out and I was rereading it again, Technocracy Rising. Folks, if you haven't, gone through the couple hundred page book it's a great read but let me ask you this what you're seeing right now in your view what you're seeing right now what we're all seeing right now with the impeachment not legal or uh, uh, congressional impeachment of Donald Trump but the impeachment of the process the impeachment of the man and the office right now how does that play in to technocracy what you've been writing about what you've been warning about can Oh yeah. Can, can you kind of just touch on that a little bit? I sure can. I'm reaching for a book. Excuse me. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, leaning over to throw up or anything. <laughs> although, although some people might say we wouldn't blame you if you did. You know these guys. I know. 
I always travel with an airbag in my back pocket, you know, just for this, just for these events. No, I'm just kidding, people. I don't do that, okay? Uh, I'm way past that, believe me. Here's a book. If you haven't heard of this before, you will, because you're going to hear about it from me, if nothing else. Uh, the book is called Technocracy in America. And it's written by a global scholar by the name of Parag Khanna. Dr. Parag Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A. This book came out in January of this year. It's not a very long book. Um, it's only about 120 pages long. Uh, his other books are much longer. He's, because he's a professor of, uh, well, I think political science down in Singapore. He's an American citizen, I believe, but he was born in India. His parents were Indian, and uh, that's East India. And then he uh, uh, was raised in Dubai, of all places, and he went to Georgetown University, got his Ph.D. at uh, London School of Economics. The guy's a brain. He's young. He's good-looking. He's um, the, the, the global elite love this guy, and he's one of the global movers and shakers right now in the intellectual world. I liken him to a young Zbigniew Brzezinski. That's just my opinion, of course. Brzezinski was a brilliant guy. He's a young man. He still is, I suppose. But uh, he was a co-founder of the Trilateral Commission, for those who don't know that. But this book, Technocracy in America, this is incredible, Doug, and I'll tell you why. Because he lays it out that what a, that democracy, democracy in America is broken, he says. He just came out and said it. Democracy in America is broken. And what America needs is technocracy. Okay. Now, this guy, now I'm telling you, this guy is a global scholar. He's got a list of books and publications of a choke a horse. Uh-huh. He speaks at all the big events around the world, uh, you know, where you expect the mucky mucks to appear. Right. And they, this guy speaks, they listen. He says what America needs is Technocracy, because democracy is broken. Now, let me tell you what he what he means by that. He says what we need to do first off is we need to get rid of the office of the presidency altogether, and we need to establish a co-presidency. That's right. Where we have a committee of seven, say, like Switzerland does, and we need to run everything by committee. And oh, by the way, we need to dismiss the Senate. The Senate's useless anyway. They, he says, I don't say that, but, this, you know, he says, we need to get rid of the Senate, and we need to establish a board of governors, like from the states, you know. They're, they're, so each state should have two governors that we elect, and one of the governors stays in our home state. The other governor goes to Washington and kind of does something there, you know, like what the Senate might have done. But then he says... The Constitution, and I'll, in parentheses, I'll say what's left of it. The Constitution should be given over to the Supreme Court for modification and maintenance. No, 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 no. It shouldn't be, no, it shouldn't be the Senate that's in charge of the Constitution. It should be the Supreme Court who takes over modification of the Constitution. Uh, now this, I think this guy. just ruptured. Sorry about that. I, I, well, you, you asked where we're going. I can't tell you 
this book is a compared to his other books, it's a, it's a poorly written book. It, it, he rushed it to print. It's obvious. I, I do books. I know what when a book was rushed, I can tell. Right. He missed he missed editorial cycle. There's typos in it that you go, what? <laughs> How could a guy like that? You know, words transpose. You go, what? <laughs> but you know, aside from that, I want to tell you, he's he's laying it out on the table. And saying this is what this is where we're headed is wow. technocracy. Now There's you know I've been yeah. I've been saying this for a number of years, but here's what I, here's the big thing I want to point out. This is not a new agenda. This technocracy was developed and designed in the 1930s at Columbia University. This is nothing new. But and and I'll say also parenthetically that. Um, technocracy was the only replacement economic system ever designed in the history of the world. Patrick, we got to stop right there. We're up against our, our break. We're going to pick up right there when we left off. Folks, our guest is Patrick Wood. Technocracy.news is the website. Technocracy.news. Uh, make sure you bookmark that site and check it regularly. And we'll be right back with Patrick Wood after the short break. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas for fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an ammo can. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash... 
Trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Sometimes you just get, uh, I get so excited. And to learn from Patrick Wood that his book from 1978 that he co-authored with Anthony uh, Sutton, Trilaterals over, over Washington, actually the first two books about the Trilateral Commission, Eyewitness to History and Historian, uh, documenting history at that time, folks, going to be coming out again. Again, a new, basically, reformatted, uh, but, but reprinted, I guess, is, is the proper way of saying it. But, but, but folks, go to technocracy.news and, and watch this. Of course, I'm so excited about that. I mean, I love books. Uh, I love uh, the research that Mr. Patrick Wood has done. I'm a big fan. Can you tell? The, the, uh, the amount of research that he's done, the, what he has witnessed, what he has put on paper. The, uh, keystroke to paper. Oh, I don't know. Remember the old typewriters, folks? Remember those? When you actually did, you had to type, uh, if you're doing a manuscript or a column. Remember the carbons? Uh, I'm going off on the, on the tangent. Anyway, uh, the, uh, boy. But anyway, this is great news. So that, that's exciting. And of course, uh, the Red Pill Expo where Mr. Wood is going to be attending as well as our guest coming up in here in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, G. Over Griffin is going to be there as well. Uh, and many others. June 23rd and 24th in Bozeman, Montana, the Red Pill Expo. If, if you're around that area, if you can get to that area, go. I, that's going to be great. I'd love to go just to be in the audience and to listen to these folks. Listen to these. Oh my goodness. Before we get back to our guest, tradingpostinthewoods.com. If you're not prepared for any eventualities such as well if you think about this what happens if you're if you're a pharmacy if you can't get to the pharmacy and you have oh a potentially infectious wound what do you do you treat it at home right you have to rely on things that your grandparents did tradingpostinthewoods.com offers you the alternative to today's pharmacies now of course we can't make any medical claims all i can say is I'll just say this. Their stuff works. Visit tradingpostinthewoods.com. Tradingpostinthewoods.com. Take a look at the American Heritage Remedies Kit Deluxe Package. That was actually uh, created for our audience, you, the Hagman and Hagman Report audience. Tradingpostinthewoods.com. They have the knowledge to equip you. They've got the skills to equip you or knowledge to empower you, the skills to equip you, the supplies to sustain and assist you. And of course, like-minded staff to encourage you. Folks, visit tradingpostinthewoods.com and don't be afraid to, to reach out Eve, uh, to, uh, email Eve, send them an email or even call. The number's there, right there on their website. Call. And if you have any questions about their products, but, uh, 
But do. Do visit tradingpostinthewoods.com. Our guest this evening is Patrick Wood of technocracy.news, technocracy.news. And let's pick up right where we left off, uh, Patrick, or do you want to, do you want to move forward? At least we'll have an opportunity to finish, finish the thought here. Um, <clears throat> technocracy was the only replacement economic system in history. There hasn't been another one ever. Uh, that I found. I, my background is in economics also, by the way. Sutton was a professor of economics. He knew a lot. And I'm sure if, if we had known anything about technocracy back then, we would have put the two, the dots together right down on the spot. But there's never been another economic system in the world devised by anyone, much less by scientists and engineers, uh, like they did in, in the 1930s at Columbia University. And this is the economic system that the United Nations has pointedly said that they're going to re- they're going to replace capitalism and free enterprise with what they call sustainable development. I call sustainable development technocracy because that's what it is. It's, it's warmed over technocracy from the 1930s. An interesting thing, Brzezinski, Zbigniew Brzezinski, when he wrote his original book Between Two Ages: America's Role in the Technotronic Era, that's the book that caught David Rockefeller's attention. By the way. That's what caused David Rockefeller to want to start the Trilateral Commission in order to create a new international economic order. He took Brzezinski into an academic love embrace, if you will, and he had the beauty and the beast from that day forward. Brzezinski wrote his book while he is a professor of political science at guess which university? Columbia University. That's where technocracy was born in the first place. Columbia University, 1932. Well, okay. So, you know, we move forward from this. We realize that the Trilateral Commission's new international economic order was, in fact, technocracy. I can prove that now. And I think I've done a pretty good job in, in actually in technocracy rising. But when people end up having our original books Trilateral over Washington to put together with technocracy rising, they're gonna, it's, it's gonna be like going to IMAX <laughs> theater and, and seeing the whole thing with the chairs moving and the vibrations and the, you know, the, the roller coaster, you know, going back and forth and stuff. Don't, I hope you don't get sick of me doing that. But, um, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna give people a picture that they've never seen before. And I'll tell you what, folks, we have the goods on these people. We've, we've nailed them. Absolutely nailed them. And if Sun were alive today, he passed in 2002, uh, unfortunately, but if he were alive today and could stand on a stage and address a group of people, I think there's only one thing that he would say at this point. This is just what I know of him. He didn't, he wasn't uh, a man of a lot of words. He just kind of cut to the quick always. He would say, we told you so. I think that's all he was saying. That we told you so. We we gave you all the information you needed to have in order to do something to stop these bozos, and you did nothing. Chilling. We told you so. Now we're sitting at that crossroads again, in a sense, because now we've more broadly discovered the exact game plan, which includes technocracy. I hope we don't have to be sitting here ten years from now saying, I told you so again. Well, that seems to be the the direction that we're heading into, and and looking on your your website, 
um, the there's a few stories that jump right out at me um, that I, that I saw earlier. The the Jeff Bezos we've seen the the company Amazon. I think it's the number one uh, grossing company now, almost worth a trillion dollars. Uh, yeah, Bezos becoming one of the richest men on the planet, yeah. and he talks about the AI as the golden age of solving problems that sci-fi only dreamed of. And then there's a, and we'll, we'll leave that there for now. And then there's another article on your site, the useless class, meaning of life with no work and a universal basic income. Um, let's, let's, okay, let's look at, at Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Uh, AI mm-hmm. is in the golden age of solving problems. Is this, is he talking about not only artificial intelligence, but, uh, this move, you know, to implement these technologies, these robots with artificial intelligence in all aspects of our lives, whether it's transportation, uh, any type of work, um, as we see the, this rise of robots. Absolutely. And that, that's exactly what he's looking at. <clears throat> you know, Amazon, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of robots that Amazon has to manage its warehouses, but it's incredible. You can see movies of their warehouses, the robots they have on YouTube. Just go and search for it. You'll find stuff that just blow your mind. Um, they don't need people. They just don't need people. That's one of the reasons they're making so much money is that they're doing everything with automation. And it's intelligent. And, you know, all of their, uh, their, their stocking requirements, the, the way they move stuff around, it's all done by artificial intelligence now. There are people making these decisions anymore. They program in the computer, let the computer figures out what needs to be where and when and how and all that kind of stuff. And it just happened. And, you know, in the meantime, and this is a, this is what you call a disruptive technology. This is like, this is like what the automobile was to the horse and buggy business in the, you know, early 1900s. It destroyed it. And it took a little bit longer than this. This has come on us pretty quickly, but this is a disruptive technology. And the world is being turned upside down. Right now, Amazon, almost single-handedly, has destroyed about half of the retail industry in America. Malls are empty, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) Malls are going empty. They're going out of business left and right. Stores, anchor stores are pulling up. Roots and just quitting. Macy's is in trouble. Sears is in trouble. Penny's has been in trouble multiple times. You know, all these big anchor stores that we kind of, well, you know, we kind of count on them. You go to the mall, there they are, you know, the big store. These people are losing their shirt thanks to Amazon. They've just, Amazon's cleaning their clock. And, you know, on one hand, you could say, well, hey, that's progress. You know, stuff happens. You know, like, well, the automobile happened and, you know, uh, people had to give up their horses and their buggies and the carriage makers went out of business and so on. This is which is true to some extent, but this is different because this is disrupting the human race. (laughs) It's not just disrupting an industry. It's not just disrupting a country. This is disrupting the human race. (laughs) I don't know if I could, could communicate the vastness of this, you know, but Bezos thinks this is great. You know, this is just. Sorry for interrupting you there, Patrick. Uh, kind of like when, when Walmart came onto the scene and, and came out and it, it created a lot of, of problems for uh, small businesses around the country in, in, in big and small towns. So what we're seeing is, is, uh, you know, 
the same thing as we saw with the Walmart moving in. This is a, a new a new age of computers and the internet, and Amazon has put together a business model that um, really has made leaving your house to shop irrelevant uh, to some extent, and, and some people prefer it that way. Um, it has, and a lot. Well, they wouldn't be making sales if people didn't like it. Uh, but you know, Walmart now is scared for their life. Mm-hmm. They see it coming for them. And it's going to be interesting. I, I said many years ago, uh, probably I'm thinking back maybe eight, nine, ten years ago, that there will be a day when Walmart is on the rocks because of the business model that they had. And <laughs> it's going to be interesting. You know, you, you talk about too big to fail. Well, Walmart's not too big to fail. Amazon's going to prove the point <laughs> when they fail. At one day when they fail, it's not going to be this year, but one day when they do. But I'll tell you what, there's going to be a day in the future, somewhere in the future. What if Amazon fails? What if retail has been put out of business all across, you know, the world or country, whatever, and all of a sudden Amazon blows up for some reason or another? Can't do business anymore. Maybe their artificial intelligence turns on them. <laughs> you know, starts starts destroying all their stock. Who knows? But if Amazon all of a sudden disappeared from the landscape, where would that leave the rest of the country that depended on Amazon to have everything delivered by drones simply by pushing True. a button? True. We would be so screwed. It wouldn't even be funny. It would be like living in an earthquake zone that you've just had, you know, half a dozen major earthquakes in the last 20 years, 30 years. Uh, it'd be like living in an earthquake zone and refusing to have any bottles of distilled water tucked away in your closet or some food or whatever, you know, uh, you know, stuff to, stuff to preserve yourself, you know, when the next big one hits. Cause you know it's gonna hit sooner or later and you just, you just refuse to, I'm not gonna, no, no, no. No prepping for me. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, don't come crying when the big one hits, but see if Amazon really eventually were to hit the, the silk. Uh, boy, all the, the areas that are served by Amazon now that depend on it so big, they'd be so screwed. It's kind of like the government in the same way, isn't it, though? If the government ends up with a universal basic income to pay everybody that gets displaced by robots, if, if 80% or 90% of the country is dependent on the government for a paycheck, that's the only source. There's no labor now. They just, get, they just get money from the government to live. It's like subsistence level ways. You get it up to get some food, you get a dozen eggs, whatever, and, and you can survive. At least you'll live. What happens if government goes belly up and doesn't have any money to, to pass out? See, society's going to be in a world of hurt. This is the kind of risk that these people are putting us up against. And this is the attitude that the Trilateral Commission had, I have to tell you, back in the 1970s. We saw this time and time again. They didn't care about the fallout consequences to, to simple mere mortals when they pulled off these grandiose policies. They, you know, no, 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 it's going to work out. You'll see, it's going to be great. You know, everything they've done, they've wrecked the world. Economically, these people have virtually wrecked the world right now. Yeah. Nobody holds them accountable. I know who did it. I know they did it. I've seen their papers. I've watched them, tracked them over the years. I know what they did. They're a bunch of snakes. But they never had any concern for the people, for the real human beings like you and me that live in this mess, the little people, if you will, that get hurt. 
by their grandiose plans. We're asking for trouble with Amazon, I tell you. We're asking for trouble with with the Walmarts of the world. We could almost tolerate the Walmarts of the world, but I tell you, Amazon, Amazon is is at this point is un, unstoppable from doing its disruption, and it will continue to disrupt. And retail business will continue to go out of business. And uh, you know that's why everybody's talking about universal basic income around the world today. If if people don't know what that is, that means you just get a paycheck for doing nothing. You just stay home. You don't have a job. Stay home. We're going to send you a thousand bucks a month. And at least you'll be able to get enough food to stay alive. That's about all. You just still stay alive. So you're going to have to find something else to occupy yourself. Maybe a computer game or something, they say. You know, what kind of life is that? You, you want that kind of life? That's what they're, that's what the global elite right now are talking about. They're talking about it in Europe. They're talking about it here. They're talking about it at the, the, the G20 summit. Um, the, uh, the, the, the globalist organization called Y Combinator up in the Bay Area has been testing universal based basic income now for over a year on people up in the Bay Area. Uh, oh, this, this is not idle talk. This is not idle talk at all. They actually are planning on doing this. The useless class is upon us. And people are going to fall into that useless class. What else can you do? You know, I mean, you, you lose your job. You can't afford to re- reinvent yourself or whatever they call it. Um, and you, you're unemployable. You're basically, you're, fly, you're just unemployable. So you'll fall into useless class. You get a, you get you fall into the universal basic income and basically be a slave of the government for the rest of your life until you die. And folks who think it it can happen, look at um, a good example is, is some of the the fast food chains that we've seen. And there's you know some pushback in some of these with in some of these companies with their employers on the raising of the minimum wage. And instead of raising the minimum wage, they've, you know, replaced these employers with, with kiosks, with, with screens, um, and automated cashiers where they've just phased the, the, the human resources, uh, and the humans right on out uh, of that industry and, and can do so in a number of industries. And folks who think that the, you know, the universal income, uh, is not something that, that could happen to you. It really could happen to, to everybody when you think of the the attitude and the climate in this country, and how many people are already basically on a universal income through you know the food stamps and 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 the uh, what the what else the government hands out, and how many people are, are you know would think it's a good idea? Oh, I don't have to work. I can just sit around and do whatever I want each and every day, uh, and I'll be taken care of. There's a lot of people in this country that would think that's a great deal. And once you get a certain number of, of people to, to go along with this, the rest can be forced into it. So you might not actually have a choice in the matter, um, no matter how long you hold out. But it, it is very uh, scary, very concerning. Um, Patrick, the robots uh, replacing humans in the in the workplace, do you believe that this is part of it? I mean, we just talked about the, um, the useless class. Um, how much are we going to see Man, in the next year or two years um, of, of robots, or, or is this something they're going to just all try to roll out at once? It's already happening. I mean, it's it, every day there's new stories coming out all around the world on on how people are being displaced by current automation. But 
the level of automation that we see today, as sophisticated as it is, that sophistication is doubling in sophistication about every 18 months to 24 months. That's what Ray Kurzweil refers to as the ultimate in the singularity when when everything just starts to go vertical. You know how many double how many doublings can you have, and and eventually the curve goes vertical and you know. What happens then? I don't know. We're not there yet. But we do know that like, like computers have become more powerful over the years, um, the AI technology, the robot technology, that's doubling every 18 months as well. So what we see today, just think about this. What we see today that we go, wow, that is sophisticated. Like, a, you know, like a, a robot kiosk taking orders or, or actually cooking the hamburgers now as well. Um, I saw a salad-making robot the other day that can make a better salad than anybody. Uh, just You just punch in what you want, puts the salad together. It's wonderful. Well, if you think of sophisticated today, what do you think it's going to be like in 24 months from now? How about 48 months from now? Mm. How about 96 months from now? You see what I'm saying? Doubling, yep. It's double, 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 double. So... The displacement of labor that we're seeing today, just scratching the surface. And it's going to come at us like a steamroller. Most people are not going to have a clue that it was even close for them. It's just going to happen one day. They're going to get a pink slip. And I'm talking industry after industry. Look what's going on with self-driving cars right now. It's expected by 2030 at this point. Most leading experts will agree with this. Hands down. By 2030, people will not own cars anymore. Unless you're a collector, you know, or you have some reason to have an antique or something. You won't own a car. There will be no new cars to buy. You will be plugged into the ride-sharing industry. Now, 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 hold on a second here, okay? Uh, and, and I know you touched on this before. Um this is this is downright frightening, and people don't understand. You know these metrosexual idiots that live in the cities, like you know New York and San Francisco, that they can barely wipe the snot off their nose, um, and think public transportation is the be all end all. All right, um, okay. <laughs> so you're you're saying that no more, essentially, no more private ownership of of vehicles. That's right. This has already been an agenda 21 for years anyway, oh. right? It's not like <laughs> it's not like this is a new thought. Agenda 21 document from 1992 said basically cars were evil and had to go. Oh. And you need to do something different. Well, now they got something different and here it is. It's going to be ride sharing. It's going to be uh you know, calling up uh, you know, whatever your your pool and you want to get from point A to point B, they'll do that. They'll figure out, you know, that something show up at your house and you get in and away you go. And I'll be self-driving. Cab drivers, forget it. We won't need cab drivers. So all the cab drivers will be out of business. All the bus drivers will be out of business. And basically the people that lease the cars, make them and lease them and whatever, uh, they're the only ones to be making money off this. The rest of you will be tracked for the rest of your life because you realize that if you are in a self-driving automobile, Autonomous, they call it. Uh, the quote unquote authorities 
will know every single place you go. They will track you like ants in an ant farm. Do you want, I mean, is this going in the right direction? Man, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, excellent point. What, what could go wrong with that? Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, it's like, I'll tell you what, it's already gone wrong in so many ways. All of the mass surveillance of people. But you see, this is part and parcel of the original technocracy paradigm from the 1930s, guys. Mm. This this also isn't new. Engineers and scientists know one thing. If you're going to engineer society like a like a factory, if you're going to scientifically engineer society, you have to be able to monitor society. You wouldn't build a factory and not put any monitoring capabilities in. You're going to have cameras. You're going to have sensors. You're going to know when that factory line goes down, when a belt breaks, or whatever. You're going to know that. You need to know it right away. You build factories that way. Well, these scientists and engineers are engineering society that way, too. That's why they're putting all these sensors in everywhere you can think. Sensors everywhere. That's why they're doing this, so they can monitor and control Society to their to their own out you know to their own software algorithm artificial intelligence algorithm and so um, the people in this are are just incidental they're just so many animals like you know dogs cats cattle or whatever they don't care about the individual people they just care about managing the whole. This, this is nefarious. This, I, I tell you what, this, there's nothing, there's no other way to describe this other than diabolical. Absolutely. Because it means, yeah. because it means complete loss of freedom. It doesn't mean, no, it doesn't just mean freedom is going to struggle. No, it means we're headed towards, we last that long and, you know, Armageddon doesn't happen first. We're headed towards neo-feudalism where the world will go back into the dark ages again. There'll be no private property. You'll live at the instance of some land baron who owns everything or controls everything in the landscape. And you will struggle just to put food in the mouth of your children. And you will live and die at the instance of that land baron, in a sense. That's the model we're headed towards if we don't stop it. Hmm. You see, in that kind of model, it's not just that freedom had a bad day. No, freedom is gone. <laughs> gone. G O N A. Altogether gone. And once we, that's not good. And we're we're uh, incrementally letting get to that point right now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's still a time that we have left to to stop this from, or at least delay it for another you know twenty, thirty, forty years. And then you know you look at at the again the climate of the country. People are so engaged. Uh, you know, and worrying about politics or the economy, this or that, that there's no resistance to the implementation of this, you know, new technocratic era. Folks, we're talking with Patrick Wood. Technocracy.news is the website. We'll be right back after these short messages. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. 
shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changewithwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. And I'm so excited about really two things. Number one, Bozeman, Montana, the Red Pill Expo. Patrick Wood's going to be there along with our guests. We're having a couple of weeks. She ever Griffin and many others, by the way. So if you can get out to Bozeman, Montana for the Red Pill Expo, um, make sure, make sure you, you do so if you can, if you can. That's going to be a marvelous, marvelous conference. And the second thing I'm really excited about is, the fact that uh, here in the coming days, and you have to watch technocracy.news, uh, Patrick Wood is going to be combining his first two books with, he wrote with, uh, co-wrote, co-authored with Anthony Sutton, uh, Trilaterals over, over Washington. 
and re- releasing that, re-releasing those two books with the um, his latest book, Technocracy Rising, kind of a, a third and a uh, informal trilogy, if you will. So I'm very excited about that. Watch that. Very, very valuable information in those two books. Before we get back to Mr. Wood, um, speaking of books, T.C. Joseph has written a fantastic trilogy. I like this guy. I like the way he writes. I like his books. T.C. Joseph, he's a good guy. He's he's a, a very talented man. And I hope to have a cup of coffee with him one of these days real soon. He's written a thrilling series of novels. He takes us into the lives of three families in a world where conspiracy theories and Bible prophecies collide. And that's kind of what we're talking about tonight, really. And, and folks, if you have a chance, get T.C. Joseph's novels and give them out to family members who may not be awake but don't want to hear fact. They want to be entertained. Well, this will give them the nudge, the nudge into reality. T.C. Joseph has done it with with his copies, uh, with these three books, uh, highly rated by Kirkus and Blue Ink. Get your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series on Amazon.com today. Book one is Precipice. Book two is Pentecost. And book three is Penance. All three are fantastic. He's an amazing writer. I wish I could write that well. But uh, T.C. Joseph, This Generation com, as well as on Amazon. Now, getting back with our with our uh, guest, Patrick Wood. Folks, rem- let me take you back in time. It seems like a year ago. Oh, it seems like maybe a month ago. Nay. It was only, well, I don't know, just earlier. It was week, a week, ten days ago. I don't know when it was. It was, it was days last, ago. Last week. Yeah, last week. What happened? That What happened that it's turning people's heads? Oval Office meeting, Kissinger. After the Comey termination, Kissinger shows up in the Oval Office. What's that about? The man to ask about this, because it's on technocracy.news, an article written by um, Cody, uh, uh, my goodness, uh, Cody Fenwick, dated May 10th. Mr. Wood, what's going on with this uh, Kissinger-Trump love fest in the Oval Office, or what appears to be a love fest here? I wish we knew. I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that meeting. But one of the articles that documented uh, this whole thing, the reporters were expecting to come in and see somebody else in the Oval Office. They they were invited in. They all have a schedule. They get presented with the president's schedule every you know every morning, first thing. And so they they go here and there. And they get you know little sightings of the president, and other people, and they according to the schedule, they were walked in. They they're going to see somebody else. But they walk in and they see Henry Kissinger. What a convenient photo op for the president. And they're all shocked. Henry, what are you doing here? Well, it's roughly Bradley voice, you know, well, we're talking about Syria. Oh, and we're talking about Russia and all that kind of stuff. We're going to try to make things right and kill a lot of people at ISIS over there. Brother, you got to do the accent. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know, but Trump said they were talking about Syria. But here's the thing. Kissinger was not on the visitors list. He wasn't on the president's schedule that day. You don't just walk in and say, you knock on the back door and say, hey, where's the Donald? I want to talk to him. 
Well, you know, come on in, Henry. <laughs> Since it's you. Hey, Hank. Well, go to we'll the set back. it up, you know. Hey, come <laughs> on, man. We know he's going to Oval Office. Yeah, let's go over and pick him up. We'll, we'll get you in there in the yellow chair and get your, you know, your walker and your cane and stuff away from the photo op thing. So, and so anyway, there he is sitting in his chair and he came from New York City. Now, for a man that's 96 years old, still in pretty good shape, it's not easy to get from New York City to the White House. I don't care who you are, how good a shape you are. You're 96 years old. It's going to be an effort to get there. So Henry makes a, a big effort to get to the White House to be photographed with the president and to get an unscheduled meeting with him in the Oval Office. Nobody but somebody like Henry Kissinger could pull this off. I'm telling you. And if you go back in time and look at who Henry Kissinger is, you'll see why I'm so excited. He was a founding member of the Trilateral Commission. He was one of the people that Tony Sutton and I wrote more about probably than any other Trilateral Commissioner except maybe David Rockefeller. This guy was a snake. He was all over the place. And you know what? There are countries in this world today that if Henry Kissinger would fly to those countries and get off an airplane, he would be arrested and thrown in jail immediately for war crimes. That's why he doesn't travel very much. Hasn't for years. He can't go to some countries because he is guilty of war crimes in those countries, and they know it. They they nail him for it. This guy, this is the guy that set up the disaster in Iran that dumped the Shah of Iran out of Persia, Iran, and made way for the Ayatollahs. It was Henry Kissinger that did that. Oh, Henry, thank you. We needed the Ayatollahs. Man, look at all the look at all what they've done over the years. Why, they killed our sailors. They exported terrorism all over the world. They've murdered countless numbers of people. They're now attacking our ships uh, in international waters. Why, thank you, Henry, for bringing us modern Iran and getting rid of the Shah Iran, the last friend that the United States ever had in the Mideast. It was Henry Kissinger that did that. What? That's only half the I'm half. That's not even half the story. That's typical of stuff that Henry Kissinger did when he was but a young man. He was in the middle of the Cambodian genocide. We won't want to go there. It's too ugly. Three million people slaughtered. The killing fields, they call them. Yeah. Sad, sad story. He's Kissinger got is up, he's up to his eyeballs with Cambodia and the Khmer Rouge. And as you said, he's part of the, uh, you know, this, this elite New World Order establishment, a, a founding member of the Trilateral Commission. And, you know, he's, him and, and Brzezinski for decades wrote about the rise of, of Asia and China as, as the world powers. And then they, they helped that come to fruition, you know, with, uh, working in the Clinton administration through NAFTA and, and a number of other things that they've done. And, um, You've seen how we've all seen how how China has has been on the rise, but they were writing about this in the in the '60s and the '70s, and yeah. um, you know it seems to be no stopping. These people are the the masterminds of of evil um, on our globe. 
Uh, Patrick, if we can kind of move forward, there's something I, I see here that I want to get into. Uh, hang on just a second. It, it, Mr. Wood, is there anything, and, and Joe, um, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't earlier that day, the day that Kissinger was in the Oval Office, isn't that the uh, the meeting that uh, Donald Trump had with the Russian ambassador and the Russian, uh, the other Russian, uh, uh, the, the two Sergeys? Sergei, isn't that right. what the what the whole uh, uh, issue is about right now with the uh, uh, passing of classified information? And if so, is there any connection, or is that just a, a kind of a coincidence? It makes I know it makes you wonder if yeah I would. I would like to see the actual meeting logs, not the ones that are scheduled, the actual meeting logs. It would be interesting, for instance, if Kissinger were in on that meeting, wouldn't it? Indeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it just, you know, I don't believe in coincidences at that level. So yeah, just saying. Um, I know. Yeah, yeah. Henry, Henry showed up. He has a habit of showing up in places at the right, you know, for him, the right place at the right time. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I, I had to throw that in there before you moved on. Go ahead, Joe. I wanted to, to get on something that um, John wrote down that, that we should get into, the emotional reading. And I guess another way to put it is um, tar- uh, targeting advertisement towards uh, behavioral indicators. We, we read a few articles on this uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, I believe it was how Facebook was, was marketing products to teenagers based on their emotional state, whether that was depressed, sad, but it always came from a, a vulnerable emotional position. Um, how is that the same as uh, uh, emotional reading, or how is it different? Well, well it is. Um, the the people that study social media, and it's all public and open by and large, uh, they can know more about you than your spouse in certain instances because they can track what you like, you know, the, the likes that you issue, the, the kind of articles that you post. Um, your comments and stuff can be read with artificial intelligence software to figure out what kind of mood you're in. And when, when combined with other types of data that's available on you in the public marketplace, um, a company like a Facebook or a Google can end up knowing more about you than sometimes you even know about yourself. And it is a scary, it is really a scary thing. It's, it's, uh, it's the ultimate invasion of privacy when somebody gets inside your brain. You know, I mean, when somebody gets inside your mind, I think 1984, okay, the book, 1984, when some, when somebody gets inside your brain, you are in trouble. It never ends well. And these people have discovered how to get inside your brain. And you know, there, it was discovered on Android, for instance, imagine this, that there's over 200 Android apps that have figured out a way to listen quietly. They don't tell you that, but they're listening for sound beacons that emanate from your television or from your radio or from other apps on your phone. And these little hidden sound beacons that advertisers have been putting in their ads for decades, or not decades, at least 10 years now, uh, these sound beacons are inaudible to the human ear, but to a computer they can pick up on them perfectly, and they're like it's like reading a barcode, if you will, like a signature. These 200-plus these apps have been listening uh, 
in a clandestine manner. They don't tell anybody about it. It was just completely quiet. They've been listening to the sound beacons in your environment. And guess what? They can they can tell what ads you're hearing, what programs you're listening to, because they know where all those ads ran. And they can pick up more about your psychographic profile than you'll ever remember a week from now. <laughs> and it becomes a permanent part of your record. Anyway, this is yeah. Anyway, to honest. avoid this, uh, so, well, I mean, not using social media, uh, that's a start, I guess. But with, with you, what you described with, uh, and what we know, uh, from the surveillance from your TV screens yeah. and your cable boxes and, uh, as you described with the, with the cell phones, I guess the only way to get around this is to not have any uh, electronics in your house ever or use electronics ever. Um, well, I would say at least if you're listening to TV, turn your phone off completely. Uh, if you have a battery, take the battery out. <laughs> but, you know, there are there are a few low-level things that a person can do to kind of protect themselves a bit. But when when these 200 app builders do this kind of stuff secretly without telling anybody, and now somebody, some, some bright hacker figures out what happened, and they blow the whistle on them, does that border on criminal behavior? Not, not the whistleblower. I'm talking about the apps that do that kind of stuff. You know, the, the head of Uber, I can't remember his name right now, but he's busted for his, for his app that runs on both Android and iOS and Apple. Uh, his app, even when deleted, continued to track users. Facebook does the same thing. Uh, they could track a, a user's browser history when they're not logged into Facebook. There was an article about that today, but that's yeah. you know old news. Yeah. See, they just do this behind the scenes. They don't tell anybody. They just go ahead and do it. And then if somebody gets upset with it later, they figure, well, you know, shoot first, ask, ask permission later. <laughs> yeah. This is the mind of this is the mind of a technocrat, by the way. Technocrats, I've discovered, have absolutely no ethical barriers whatsoever. They don't. No moral, no ethical barriers at all that they need to overcome. They will do anything at any time if they think they can get away with it. It's, it's the 100% pragmatic model of action. You know, to, hey, if we can do it, let's do it. But what if somebody complains? Well, when the complaints get big enough, we'll deal with it. But right now, let's do it. We can do this. Just get it done. Mr. Wood, if I can ask a question here, because this really angers me. It, maybe it shouldn't, and maybe I shouldn't be angered by it. I don't know. But what do you make of, of this high-tech surveillance, this asymmetric surveillance that you're talking about? I can, I can, I get, I, I get it when the average person doesn't really get what's going on. The, the, the surveillance where you have your television listening to you. And I'm just, as an example, or your phone listening to you. Um, but it's been proven. But here's, here's what, what angers me and also kind of makes me wonder what's going on. When you've got well-informed, otherwise reasonable individuals Conservatives, political, moral, spiritual, social conservatives, educated, that laugh and say, oh, that's just, you're an idiot, you know, Uh, quit talking nonsense, all conspiracy. What's that about? I mean, 
help me understand that that philosophy or that 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 mindset. Because at least some, I would think those people should be on our side saying, "Hey, man, yeah, your refrigerator is listening to you. You're not wearing that kooky tinfoil hat for no reason." Hmm. Anything? I mean, your thoughts? Yeah, <clears throat> I want to read you a couple of the requirements for technocracy from the 19 from 1934 this was written in the technocracy study course and the reason I want to just read two of them I'm not going to read them all I just want to read three actually you tell me if you can if you can see a thread here this is this is requirement number three they only gave seven requirements for technocracy but these are bloody important things that they wrote down here's number three provide a continuous inventory of all production and consumption quote, that's direct quote. Number four, uh, register, oh, excuse me, I got, went backwards. Uh, the fifth one, provide specific registration of the consumption of each individual plus a record and description of the individual. Close quote. Those were the two key requirements out of seven that they specified way back then when they didn't have computers and high-speed facial recognition cameras, et cetera, et cetera, but they understood what they needed to have to make technocracy work. And surveillance is the number one issue in our society today. Let me read this again. Provide specific registration of the consumption of each individual. Consumption includes not only what you put in your mouth, you put in your garage, you put in your brain through the TV or your ear through your cell phone, provide specific registration of the consumption of each individual plus a record and description of the individual. Close quote. Does that explain it? Yeah. All right. Case closed. Good point. That's it. That's it. That's all they're doing. They're just doing what they heard back then. Hmm. Columbia University, by the way. Thank you, Columbia. So that's why you get paid the big bucks. Yeah. You know, knowledge like that. All right. I know we kind of, we kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, well, what do you think? What, what's the next step? And how long before you believe this starts to affect every, every American, whether with the, the loss of jobs or, I mean, we know it, you know, certain things like the, the total surveillance is affecting every American. Um, but, you know, with the with the robots, with the AI becoming you know controllers of our of our society, you believe that'll be rolled out in the next few years, maybe after a conflict or a crisis, or is there a different time plan on the table? Nope, it's just going to keep sliding forward right now, like it is, it, and it's 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 gaining momentum every month. It really is. Uh, <clears throat> we didn't we didn't hear talk about universal basic income three years ago, hardly at all. The first mention I saw in Europe was, I think, two years ago. Now, every week there's an article on universal basic income. Same thing with computers displacing, you know, people and jobs. You didn't hear a lot about this five years ago. But the, the articles have ramped up, and, and now you see two or three stories every single week in major publications about job displacement, stuff like that. Well... Where there's smoke, there's fire. That's all I can say. You know, it, it's happening right now, whether whether we want to admit it or not. It just hasn't happened to you yet. That's that's the deal. You know, they say a recession is when your neighbor's out of a job. 
A depression is when you're out of a job. <laughs> and that's kind of true here. As long as you haven't lost your job, well, it's just kind of distant and remote. Yeah. But AI is coming for everybody's job. There's going to be very few areas that will not be touched by, by artificial intelligence in the end. And as you said, that's, uh, it's something that keeps moving forward no matter what is going on in the world. Um, kind of switching gears here, uh, Patrick, we have about, no, oh, just a few minutes left. Yeah. Uh, interesting. The, the hacks that happened uh, from last week into this week, the WannaCry attacks, uh, and Microsoft made a statement um, about how you know the government not securing their uh, you know the ransomware, the malware, the, these hacking codes was the same as you know the U.S. Army not securing their Tomahawk missiles, and uh, they warned that more hacks are coming. What do you make of all this hacking, and where is this where is this going to lead us? Is this going to lead us to more security? Uh, what do you, what's your take? Well, I personally I think this needs to be laid at the feet of the NSA. I've been in the computer business for many many years, and I I know a lot of hackers. My son was one once, even himself. There's black hat people and there's white hat people, and the and the and the white hat industry, hacker industry. If you discover a hole or, you know, a vulnerability in somebody else's software. First, you demonstrate it and document it, and then you make it public. You don't sit on it. This is a code of ethics they have. You don't sit on it and make private sport out of the flaw that you found. If it's going to harm other people, you make it public immediately so the people that need to make adjustments can make those adjustments. You know, close the holes, if you will. Well, the NSA discovered this weakness in Windows years ago. You know what? They kept their mouth shut. And they said, we'll use this to spy on citizens. And we won't tell anybody. They didn't tell Microsoft or anybody. Now, you tell me who the criminal here is. (laughs) This is black hat hacking. Black hat means... You know, like the old spy, you know, the black hats or whatever, the little cartoon. The black hat means you're criminal. They, they behaved as black hat hackers, keeping a known exploit to themselves. And ultimately somebody got it like a whistleblower. Well, I didn't know if it was a whistleblower, but a hacker, somebody hacked in, got a hold of the, the specification for it, said, whoa. We're just going to keep this quiet a little bit longer, but not too long, because we're going to use this ourselves to extort the whole world. And that's that's where we are today with this WannaCry virus. The NSA should be keelhauled over this. They should be keelhauled. I'm sorry to say Congress, the Senate, the House have no clue what they should keelhaul them for. But if they had done what was legal in the first place and ethical, we never would have seen this want to cry virus. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I'm very, dis- I'm very disappointed. But it just, again, it goes back to show you that the technocrat mindset does not have a moral compass. They don't have an ethical compass at all. They'll do anything that furthers their own self-perceived interests. And let the chips fall where they will. This is this is perverted. It really is. 
And I'm afraid the NSA is going to get away scot-free on it. They'll never, they're never going to be questioned. They're never going to, you know, have a finger pointed at them. But I'll tell you, to me, it's just as clear as the sun coming up in the morning. What happened here? Yeah. And then, you know, we hear also news that uh, not only are there vulnerabilities in, in the operating systems, but they've also uh, built back doors. What was it that uh, through the Vault 7 release, they said how the NSA built back doors into Apple products and, and iPhones. Um, so some of the, the technology that we use might not have vulnerabilities in the software, but rather might come already equipped to be able to, to interfere with your system uh, the way that we just saw with these, these WannaCry hacks. That's right. And one of the reasons for denying a backdoor has always been, what if hackers get access to it? <laughs> and you, at that point, you can't close it. Well, that's not exactly what happened with the WannaCry thing. But we know the feds, we know the NSA, CIA, Homeland Security, all of them, they've, they've been crying for a backdoor for years. And people basically have been saying, no, 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 you ain't going to get it. Well, now it's kind of moot. And, it, you know, it just doesn't matter anymore because it happened. Folks, uh, wow. our, our guest, Patrick Wood, his website is technocracy.news, technocracy.news. And don't forget the Red Pill Expo, uh, redpillexpo.org, going to be in Bozeman, Montana, where Patrick Wood will be speaking with a number of other uh, very interesting guests, June 23rd through the 24th. Again, that's the redpillexpo.org. Go there to find all the information. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for joining thank us you. again this evening. Thank it's you. been a thank fascinating you. interview, and we look forward to having thank you on in the future. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Man, he is the man, isn't he? Absolutely. We'll be right back after these short messages, folks. Don't go anywhere. All right. Wow. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Check out their full schedule. Um, thank you, BTR, Blog Talk Radio, and, and thank you, each and every one of you, for staying with us. It's uh, it's humbling to me to be able to deliver our message to you. It really is. And we've got a, a very special uh, a very special in-studio guest right now, and uh, we have an important message. This then and between now and the end of the program I really ask that everyone listens very carefully I've said new mandate we've got a new mandate we do times are changing folks in case you haven't noticed times are changing when you listen to us first couple when when you when you first maybe you listened in 2011 2012 when we first started I know we haven't gotten any better I know it's all right. Look, I'm an investigator, not a talk show host, right? Anyway, times were different. Times are a lot different now. And I'm deadly serious when, I'm, when I say to you that we are in for some extremely bumpy roads. Sometimes I question the direction of the show. Sometimes I question the intention of people. Steve Quayle and I were talking here not too long ago, and he said, you know something? Something I noticed. It's the people closest to you that will do you in. The people that you that you offer to help, that you do help, that will be the first to do you in. And he's right. He also says that God picks for us better friends that we can pick for ourselves, and he's right. And everyone, I think, should needs to remember that. Two things. Number one, God does 
give us better friends and we can select for ourselves. God brings people into our lives. He takes them out of our lives. Yeah, we think we're doing it, but no. No. Unless we're defying God, essentially. No, that's it's God. We've been through hell over the last year, in, in very specifically, but we've also had some fantastic times um, show-wise. Oh, we've had our critics, we've had our ankle biters, we've had our insignificant people struggling for relevance in this day. Yeah, but that's nothing compared to the gift that of our listeners, of you, our listeners. But it's time to get serious now. It's 2017. It's time to get serious. We have a we have a lot to do. We have a lot of people to to provide the truth to, I suppose, to to do our best to bring into the ideology that that matters as well as the spiritual component to our show so we have a new mandate we can no longer i don't believe we can any longer be on the defensive or solely on the defensive and i'm not talking about physical fights war and stuff like that shoot you know i'm talking about the war of information and ideology we can't be on the defensive all the time we have to now take it up a notch or two and at the beginning of the year, beginning of 2017, we knew. And folks, we we told you, look, it's going to be bumpy. You think you think it's all going to be fun and games, and things are going to change. The swamp is going to be drained. That's what you think, right? Well, think again. And I don't have to tell you, I guess, the listener to our program, but I do have to thank you. Thank you so much for being there. Thank you for being a part of the movement that our program represents and I think we've done a a fairly decent job with our show but I'll tell you something else we can do better and we will do better and we're growing and we're affecting more and more people I mean my goodness we were in 120 plus countries last year 70 over 70 million unique downloads plus We're, we're on schedule to do a third more than that right now for 2017 we're growing so John Robertson is going to be joining us momentarily but but you know there's so much to there's so much to do and so much to talk about now not everything is going to be bad coming up there's going to be opportunities to to grow and to survive and thrive and speaking of which a uh, good friend of the program, Alex Wilson. I urge you to check his site out, preciousTimber.com. I really ch- check this site out. Alex Wilson has been doing a lot of great for a lot of great things for many people. He offers investments in coconuts, for example. If you are an accredited investor, you can actually invest in coconuts. It's one of the highest yielding cash crops businesses like Coke and Pepsi and many high net worth individuals have invested in coconuts as a growth investment for long term income. You can do the same. There are he's developing alternative places to live. Nicaragua. Fantastic. Visit preciousTimber.com preciousTimber.com Take a look at what they've got to offer for you. I'm going to tell you something. It's a great company. They're great people. 
and they've got their 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 initiatives are vast and they're very very positive so in the coming times there will people who there are people who will survive and there will be people who will thrive and there are people that are not going to make it there are people that are going to be that are our friends and of course are not our friends and that includes every one of you you know it's about to get real folks right no it's been real it's just about to get really ugly you think you've seen ugly to this point you haven't seen ugly yet it's it's going to get it's going to get bad so how does a show like ours over 120 countries, 70 million plus unique downloads, growing, outpacing our supply lines um, on multiple platforms. Robust listening audience, a very loyal listening audience, and thank you. Getting a lot of flack. We're flying over targets, and, and every target we fly over, incoming. You expect that. Dave Dobmeyer, what do you expect? You're in the game. Expect the hits. You have to adapt. You have to grow. You have to. You have to. You you, you got to either lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. And that's personally and professionally. Frankly, I ain't getting out of nobody's way. And I've really never been that good of a follower. So I think we'll lead. Our message to you out there, to to our listeners. Is a promise. Things that we're going we're to make some announcements here. You're going to you're going to be. Yeah, we've got some very important announcements, but a message to our enemies, to those people who don't want to see us succeed, to those people, not the like again, not the ankle biters, the insignificant individuals out there who've got nothing better to do than type off a snarky email or write a blog post. That's read by a half a dozen people, and they're yelling into an echo chamber. Or to step it up a level, you know, to, to the people who, who are malicious in in their endeavors, and even step it up above that to the people who are attempting to actively shut us down, and to go after our the people who support us and advertisers. Don't mistake. Our, our lack of response to this point as acceptance or acquiescence because we're coming it's a new mandate it's different we're not going to, we're not going to suffer fools or snowflakes this is our country our country was founded on Christianity this is our religion this is our house John Robertson come, it has come to us from Hollywood. i got to tell you a real quick funny story, and I'm going to turn it over to Joe. He's in the studio right now. Uh, John, uh, we, we uh, went to Chicago, went to Wake to the Shaken Conference then. And we had, uh, I, my wife and I had uh, had John come at, stay with us at our home. And uh, about the third or fourth night, I don't know what it was. We've got layers of security because, unfortunately, in today's day and age, you can have security, right? Alarm systems and surveillance cameras, and that's just the way we live. Because you know, people do sometimes show up at our home, and it's very interesting when that happens. But 
I had woken up early one morning. John had a, a, a his boy, you know, West Coast time and all messed up, jet lag, and then doing the conference coming over. And he's like, you know, he doesn't know if it's three three o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon. He's walking to the walls. He's talking to the, to, you know, he's talking to the birds outside. He's looking. His eyes are like you know slits. He's just drooling. He's like, <laughs> anyway. That kind of messed messed me up too a little bit, and uh, so it's like five in the five thirty in the morning. I'm, I was in my office, home office. Okay, a little little area my, where my wife lets me go. It's my man cave, and uh, it's still dark out. It's just getting, you know, just you know how that, ah, just getting light a little bit. I hear this. He's walking down the stairs. And I could hear him. Okay, he's up. And I told him, I said, John, you know, we have an alarm system. Here's the code. I didn't write it down. I just, you know, here's the code. Just in case, you know, in case you need to, like, go out or anything for whatever reason. Just understand everything's, like, you know, on video and there's layers of security and stuff. And I, uh, and I hear, uh, and I hear him approach the door and he opens the door. And then I hear, I know. I've got like 30 seconds, okay, before all hell breaks loose. But I must have got it like at 15 seconds. I must not have heard the, the, the beeps. Well, by the time I got to the, uh, the keypad, and John's standing there going, What? I didn't do nothing. What? What did I do? I said, Door, you know. Anyway, then, then all of a sudden the alarm goes off and the lights and, you know, the cops of the they're they're on their way, and I mean the security, the phones ringing, and you know the the, the the fire and brimstone coming down, and people are going for their weapons, and that's just amazing. John says, "Did I do that?" <laughs> Sorry about that. So I, you know, call the police and say, it's, "It's all right, man. It's just house guests. You know how they are, right?" But anyway, so proud to have our producer program director. Joe, you bring him on. What are you doing? You bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. John Robertson. <laughs> How's that for a... No, All John's right, in so... studio and we're, uh, we get him set up. We're ready to go. John, take it away. Well, Doug, Joe, thank you so much. And uh, before we get started here this evening, a special thanks to Doug and to his family because they've been so hospitable. And um, I don't know if any of you other folks sort of go through this, but, you know, you plan a trip and it's a working trip. So, We've accomplished so much in the past two weeks. Uh, it started with uh, meeting with Doug and Joe for my third time. Third time, third state. Uh, we now have six states on our on our chart. But uh, third time, third state, uh, we met in Chicago at the Awaken to the Shaken conference. And, of course, when you're going to speak at one of these conferences, you've always got that, that sort of edge to you until you get your presentation in the rearview mirror. So I was excited to see them, but at the same time, I've got to do this thing uh, the following day and so forth. And uh, they invited me to come stay in their home. And, you know, I kind of thought, like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I had this vision of myself making ca- – I mean, come on, folks. How many of you want to wake up tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and help yourself to a cup of coffee in Doug Hagman's kitchen, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. And Doug got the story sort of accurate, but not really. Um, the way it happened was I was standing there dumbfounded as as all hell was breaking loose, and I had a can of club soda in one hand, and I, Doug comes hustling into the kitchen, and I looked at him and sort of casually said, 
uh, Doug, are the police coming? And he said, yes, yes, they are. I've got to make this phone call. So that's, uh, that's how we got started. And, uh, it's, it's been a blessed couple of weeks and, and we've accomplished so much. Um, but what I'd like to do, uh, for my first few minutes here tonight is just kind of talk personally for a moment about the journey and what it's been like, because probably many of you have sort of figured out my story a little bit, but it's come ad hoc in bits and pieces over the last couple of years. And, uh, I've been working, uh, you know, full time with the Hagman and Hagman report for, I guess it's been about eight or nine months now, but I was uh, kind of quietly packaging shows for about six months prior to that. And then was a regular guest on the show for about a year prior to that. But I want to encourage uh, the listeners and the viewers out there tonight, because when I look back on the last four years, and it's been four years that I've known these gentlemen, uh, it's been an incredible journey. And folks, I, I come from the land of make-believe. I mean, I come from the land where we spin out the most fabulous illusions that we can, that money can buy. <laughs> and yet, when I look at the last four years, I would never even dare to write something like this in a script because nobody would believe it. Uh, long story short, I felt this strange compunction to call the Hagman and Hagman report back in early 2013. And I grappled with it because I was full of Hollywood arrogance. And, you know, I was working at Warner Brothers at the time and I was like, what is going on in my, first of all, what's happening to me? Okay. I'm starting to believe in giants. I'm buying ammo. I'm buying silver. I'm starting to feel a little weird inside. And everybody at work thinks I'm definitely, uh, everything looks like noodles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of, a lot of midnight calls to the prep companies. But anyhow, uh, so I had this weird feeling like I should call this show and I'd never called a show before in my life. And, and to be frank, when you work around media all day long, you wouldn't necessarily walk in the next morning and say, Hey, guess what I did, folks? I called a internet radio show last night. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really mix. Uh, and again, that's just pure Hollywood arrogance, but I, I felt like I wanted to call the show and, uh, and we got off to an interesting start because what happened that night, again, this is early 2013, is, uh, Doug and Joe had announced the night before that they were going to, uh, they wanted people to call in to talk about dreams. And I, I'd had this dream, uh, it was just a quick dream, like a little 30 second dream where I was up in the sky looking down at the ocean and I saw effectively like a, a massive aircraft carrier come floating by. But instead of a flight deck, there was all the paddocks and all the animals like Noah's Ark. I mean, I could see the giraffes and the elephants and the rhinos and the whole thing. And that was the dream. I mean, it was a really fast dream. But for some reason, I felt this weird desire to share it with everybody. So I called the show. And I, I'm sure many of you have called the show before. And by the way, we are going to start doing open line segments more often here as we move into the rest of 2017. But I called the show. And at the time, Joe was playing a lot of sound bites for different news items. And he set this up really big. There was like a soft coup. I think it was either in the Philippines or Thailand. I, I can't remember which. And uh, none of us were very good at pushing buttons at the time. And we didn't have Tech Eric. There was no spaceship yet. <laughs> and uh, and so Joe sets this clip up. You know, folks, the, the government was almost overthrown, blah, blah, blah. And then he proceeds to play the clip, and it was in Tagalog, I believe. So so Joe didn't know how to get out of it. So for 90 seconds, we all sat there and laughed into our arms while we listened to some foreign tongue that none of us understood whatsoever. And the uh, the takeaway from that story is for the next six or seven times I called the show, Joe never said a word to me. <laughs> so to say we got off to an inauspicious start might be accurate, um, but it was a lot of fun. And so throughout 2013, I started calling the show a lot, and I always tried to bring like a little mini report to the program. I, I talked a lot about Hollywood, a lot about uh, the globalist push that I saw in L.A. At the time, DHS was out of control. We were doing huge paramilitary trainings in downtown L.A., all kinds of military aircraft overhead all the time. And it was a pretty intense time, as I'm sure many of you may recall. So 
uh, I won't go into the story of exactly how I met them. I'll save that for another time. But about a year later, uh, uh, Steve Quayle was doing a conference in Bozeman, the Whitestone Remnant Conference. And that was such a, it was a special time for all of us. I, I met Doug and Joe. We had dinner. Um, Russ Dizdar was there. Uh, Pastor Langford was there. I got baptized by Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle. So that was pretty cool. And that's when I first had a chance to sit down and get some face time with the Hagmans. And, and we had no, I mean, we were just being friendly. There was no business supposition whatsoever. And, and I quietly, secretly kind of thought, you know, someday I'd like to be a guest on the show. It'd be awfully cool if they called me. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, again, jumping forward about another year, I was working for MTV at the time. Uh, I was out in the parking lot. It was brutal hot in Van Nuys, and I get a call, and it's Joe. And I, you know, and I saw Joe Hagman's name on my cell phone screen, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." I wonder what, wonder what Joe, what Joe wants. He calls me and says, "Hey, uh, my dad was wondering if maybe you'd like to come on the show and just, you know, talk a little bit about Hollywood or something like that." And there was a long pause, and I said. Uh, and Joe was cool. He was like, oh, well, okay, listen, if you change your mind, you know, just keep it in mind. And, and uh, listen, I've got to run, John. I said, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, uh, I'll do it. When, when do you want to do it? And Joe says, well, how about tonight? <laughs> so I looked at my watch, and, you know, it was like 90 minutes to air. So that was the first time I ever was invited on the show. And it was also the time that we launched HH Connections, which was a great blessing to all of us. For about six months, we connected thousands of Hagman listeners all over the world, Uh 48 of the 50 states and about 25 or 30 countries as well. And I'm, and, and even to this day at conferences, I'm so blessed. I love it. Like I'll meet people from time to time who will come up to me and say, you know, are you John? And I say, yes, I am. And they will say, oh, we're, we're here for our first time together. We've become best friends and we met through HH connections. And the reason I bring that up is because it sort of started the journey with Doug and, and Joe and myself and really the rest of the Hagman family, the, 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 the unseen faces and, the names you only hear from time to time, the spouses and certainly Eric. And and uh, uh, it sort of opened up this weird trust factor where they enabled me to start connecting their listeners with their platform on essentially my goodwill and willingness to put in the sweat equity to actually perform the, the task, to, to do the project. So that worked out fairly well. We, we, we had a little turbulence here and there, but uh, but it worked out well. Lots and lots of people were blessed. And then... Uh, we started doing other projects. We gave away a ton of copies of Greg Jackson's book, uh, 40 Things to Teach uh, Kids Before You Die. Um, that was successful. And then we just kind of started doing one project after another. And I continued to do guest appearances from time to time, like every three to six months, mostly talking about Hollywood, talking about the Luciferian agenda in Hollywood. And then Doug said something one day that was very, just, just, uh, just almost an off the cuff remark where he had, he had indicated to me, you know, that they appreciated my work and that they, I was doing good work. And, and he said, you know, if you ever have anything else, I mean, you know, bring it to us. And if we like it, I mean, we'll run with it. And that's, that was the moment, folks, when the bell went off for me, when I realized he doesn't even, I don't know if he realizes what he just did, but he just gave me permission to start packaging shows. So that's what I began to do. And that was in the fall of 2015. We did some huge shows on abortion with Pastor Langford, Pastor Flip Benham, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. We did a show in late December of 2015 where we brought some post-abortive moms on uh, from St. Louis and uh, Charlotte, North Carolina to give their testimonies. So we started to make a real difference. So pretty soon we've kind of got this sort of John Robertson, Hagman and Hagman report uh like a spiritual verve going and we've known all along folks make no mistake about it what we do here is is we really carry water okay we pick up the water at point a 
We drag it down the road and we dump it at point B, and that's what we do every single day. But the reason I wanted to tell a little bit of this story is because, man, in 2013, if there are any of you listening or viewing tonight that just feel lost and like you've got this head full of knowledge and maybe you're a little freaked out because the world doesn't uh, turn out to be what you thought it was, and the worst part is you feel lonely, like you feel like you just have no friends, your family doesn't understand you or your spouse doesn't understand you, you may be standing by yourself. And I wanted to start off tonight very personally and tell all of you uh, watching us right now and listening to us, if you're in that boat, pray it through, man. And, I'm, and I'll be completely honest, I'm not even the biggest prayer warrior, but when I pray, I try to humble myself and mean it. Not a big hallmark prayer kind of guy. Okay, my, my prayers go something like what Steve Quayle recommends. They usually go something like, Jesus, help. And But I mean it. And so pray it through and understand that just four years ago, I was this Hollywood guy. I had no friends. I didn't have a single friend that understood anything about the content we cover on this show. Had this head full of knowledge. My brain felt like it was going to explode every single day. And I also began to see the inner machinations of Hollywood, and I began to realize that where I was working every day was not only antithetical to the content and to the to the, the writers and the pastors and the evangelists and the watchmen that you hear on this program, but I began to feel like a serious hypocrite when I would come on the show, because I was good at, at throwing out some clever verbiage and, and, and making a statement, making a case, and and yet, at the same time, I'd wake up the next morning and my car would practically drive itself to Universal or Disney or Warner Brothers or wherever. So for about a year, there was this terrible thing going on inside me where I just felt like a walking civil war all the time. On one side of the studio gate, I felt like a full-blown hypocrite. And on the other side of the studio gate, I felt like a turncoat because I was completely blowing the whistle, just frying the industry that was still paying my rent and putting food on the table every opportunity I had. Uh, with Doug and Joe Hagman. So, uh, Doug, Joe, thank you for giving me the opportunity to just kind of give my quick personal testimony of how I wound up here in the Hagman studio this evening. It's been a four-year journey. It's been a crazy long journey, a ton of hard work, but a lot of blessings, too. And uh, and with that being said, gentlemen, I'll hand it back to you, and then we can talk about the show. All right. Well, you know, and, and folks, uh, John Robertson, you've... Uh You've noticed, I, I, I hope everyone has noticed, especially those who have been with us for a long time, the quality of the uh, show rising. And uh, and I have to say this, it is rising well beyond our means to provide that quality. In other words, we are outpacing our supply lines. This is not a plea for money. This is just simple reality. We brought Eric, the tech on, who has done just an amazing job. I don't know. Like, there's so much. There's so much electrical tape and wires and stuff. Again, I, I don't even know. I, you know, uh, I don't know what he does. But John has has added this extra element to the show, and that's to to good to go out and, and to secure guests like Serpico, for example, who's got a message well beyond the name or the movie, but a message. And the Josh Kaplan's and, and the Andrew Kerr's and the Brittany Pettibones and Tara's and they, they the people who are the newsmakers. This is a, an infusion of intellectual and spiritual and emotional B12. That's what this is. And so John has made a commitment to, to the Hagman Hagman Report to be on our team and to and to work as a program director and producer 
for our shows. And I think, and he's been doing that, as he said, since, uh, I don't know, the fall of last year. And I think you can see, you can almost mark your calendars as to when that took place. And Joe and I, uh, we, we are very thankful for his work and for his sacrifices he's made. But that's then. What lies ahead? What exists just down this road? Because here we are, post-election, 111, 12, 13, whatever days into the, into the Trump administration. It seems like there's chaos everywhere. The news, the headlines are, are flipping like stock symbols. Um, you've got chaos on the streets. You've got this, 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 the road ahead is bumpy. And it's going to be bumpy for each one of you. I, I, I'll bet it's going to be bumpy for us. We've got, we've, we've got the venues such as YouTube shutting us or trying to shut us down through revenue, attacks on revenue. You've got these morons out there who take offense to anything that you say and use that as a potential piece of litigation that do nothing but but cause you grief. And you've got others who do nothing but simply want to harass. That's all fine. We accept that. In fact, we expect that. We wouldn't expect anything less than that. But it's a different environment. The thing I'm trying to tell you is today it's a different environment than it was six years ago, six months ago, and even six weeks ago. What's important now is not where we've been, although we can't lose sight of where we've been. It's where we're going. And, Joe, I mean, that that's this is where we're at. It's where we're at now, but it's where we're going. So, you know, we look at this in a team, as a team. This this show is going to be blazing new trails. We are going to, in my view anyway, we are going to set new standards. And I think that you can see that what we've done with the optics, with the visuals, we've set some standards other people are copying and striving to maintain as well. We are shucking and jiving, ducking or bleeding, sometimes bleeding and ducking. But the fact is, it's a new team. It's a new day. It's a new path. Um, and to, ha- to have this infusion of John here with us, uh, bringing Hollywood skill set into the Hagman Report is, is extremely, in my in my estimation, extremely important. We are we are nourishing, developing other partnerships with platforms on the front line of the new media. Folks, this is what you asked for. This is what you want. We are doing the, this. Think of, uh, I, I mean, just to name a few, and, and John ticked off some earlier today. You know, Josh Tully and, and Rebel Media, Worldview Weekend, World Net Daily, Vessel News, The Daily Caller. This is what we're doing. This is what John's doing. It's either get up and fight. You can't be a wimpy conservative any more than you can be a wimpy Christian. If you're a wimpy Christian who says, I'm going to just pray this away alone, only pray it away. Yeah, you can do that. 
If that's your calling, then that's fine. I'm not picking on you. But if you are on your knees causing other potential leaders to stumble, that's a problem. So we have to take up the mantle, I believe, of leadership, and along with people like Coach Dave Dobmeyer and other trailblazers to blaze that trail, not just for us, but for each one of you. Anything to add, Joe? No. Um, I think we should just continue to move forward um, with John here. John, and you you guys said a lot, and um, we got a lot more to get into. So where, where do you want to go next, John? Well, Joe, thank you so much. And, and what I'd like to do, first of all, is talk a little bit about the fight. Folks, we've been throwing this term watchman around for many years now. And I've had people walk up to me at conferences, and I've even had friends say to me one-on-one, so, uh, what do you think? You're like a watchman now or something? And, um, my response to that is, I don't know, but I do know that I've spent a good many long cold nights standing up on the wall. And as Ezekiel 33, 1 through 6 informs us, I have spent a lot of time with Doug and Joe Hagman up on the wall, eyes scanning the horizon, searching constantly and, and without wavering for the dust of the approaching enemy. But I would submit to all of our viewers and listeners tonight, folks, there comes a time. If you're a warrior, you've got to realize, okay, guys, uh, we all see the army, right? Uh, everybody agree we see an army coming? I, the dust is on the horizon, just like it says right here in the book. Uh, and I would submit to all of our brothers and sisters this evening that, yes, we need prayer warriors. But we also need men of God who are willing to strap on the battle rattle and figure out that if the Israelites just acquiesced to every evil ever perpetrated upon them, uh, it would have been a real short Old Testament. So I would submit... If you're a prayer warrior, then then God bless you and get behind the wall. It's why we built the wall. It's why Nehemiah built the wall, okay? But you better be bloodying your knees in prayer because many of us are going to ride out and we're going to get it on, and that's what we're going to do. And that's why I'm here this evening, and it's why I chose to join this platform. You know, for about a year, uh, I was in a weird transition phase. I, I wasn't sure what to do. I'd been booted out of Hollywood. I got blacklisted from Universal back in September 2015, and I was starting to kind of run out of money, and... Uh, I'd love to tell you all that I was like this amazing prayer warrior and I had it all figured out, but that's just not true. I had plenty of moments where I felt lonely, I felt fear, and what have you. But the Lord, the Lord always gave me this weird feeling in my gut, like you know what? Listen, John, you just you just lean on me. I've got this, okay? I've got this. You don't have this, and I'm like, I know I don't have this, <laughs> uh, but He would inform me that that He does. So, so just real quick, you know, Doug mentioned some of our new partnerships, and and some of them aren't new per se. I mean, the, the Hagmans have a long and and warm relationship with the Josh Tolley Show, um, and and we love uh, uh, Matt and uh, and Josh and all the folks over there, but. But some of these new partnerships are really crucial to us as we enter this new uh, landscape of the new media. Because, folks, here's what happened, okay? I mean, let's just call it what it is. In November of 2016, the new media, the the derisively termed alt-right media, we Trojan-horsed the entire game, okay? Uh, Many of you may recall the New York Times article about two weeks before the election that uh, predicted that Donald Trump would take 6% of the vote and it was going to be a massive landslide for Hildebeest. The Yak Clinton. But that's not what happened. Uh, praise God, we got a, a moment of respite in our 45th President Donald Trump. And it's payback time. Make no mistake about it. The Silicon Valley tech tyrants, they, they, they don't forgive and forget. Our names are on their board. It's payback time. And I'll tell you straight up, we have been 
uh, demonetized uh, on YouTube. We've been shadow banned on Twitter. Our content gets black holed all the time. Uh, when you hear us talk, folks, about the censorship issue, please understand it's not because we don't have other fresh, exciting content to bring to you. It's because there are times where we are uh, uh, fighting tooth and nail to come up with Plan B and to strategize the rest of this year and looking at 2018 so that we can continue to bring content to you at all. Now, Doug, you mentioned a moment ago that we have outstretched our supply lines, and I just want to speak very transparently yep. Yes, sir. I want to speak very transparently about that for a moment because, folks, in Hollywood, we have what we call production value, okay? And production value, it's a, it means many things, but, but financially, it essentially means per dollar, how many cents do you get on the screen, okay? And on average, if a production can get 10 cents of production value on screen for every dollar spent, that production is actually being run pretty well. But I'm here to tell you folks this evening that at the Hagman and Hagman Report, it's the exact opposite. We flipped the script on the Hollywood formula. We put a dollar's worth of production up every night for 10 cents. And it's a team effort, and all of us come together and do this. And I'm going to tell you what, and, I, and again, I don't mind speaking transparently about this. Nobody here does it for the money because all the money goes back into the show. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're all, we have places to live and we eat every day, but, but the money goes back into the show because our job here, our mission, what's mission critical is to bring content to you folks that nobody else will. And, and most importantly, to bring content to, to offer news, analysis, and commentary from a Christian constitutionalist perspective and that's what we are have been doing and that's what we intend to continue doing and and i don't mind stepping out of the, the dugout and, and giving a tip of the hat to the crowd right now the reality is that uh during my tenure thus far at the hagman and hagman report uh we've increased our monthly guest uh roster by 300 percent and that has taken an enormous amount of hard work it's taken some late nights some prayer I'll tell you, when I'm on the West Coast, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Doug will tell you, I, I'm on the phone with Doug Hagman at 4 a.m. West Coast time, 7 a.m. here on the East Coast, because we've got to figure out the mission for that day and how to best serve uh, each and every one of you. But please be advised, folks. And again, I echo what Doug said. This has got nothing to do with, with you know, uh, the, rattling the tin cup or, or sticking our hands out. But the reality is the staff has increased in the last 18 months by 300%. The guests... Uh, per month, the number of guests, the quality of the content, and the video streaming on YouTube uh, has all increased or, or to one degree or another improved just in the last six months. And we're thrilled to do that for you folks. But make no mistake about it. If you feel any kind of unction in your heart to, to send a few bucks every now and then, or, or, or even if those of you who are able or willing to, uh, to, to be, be faithful with a, with a tithe, if this is where you get some of your spiritual nourishment, if this show, uh, if you feel in your heart it draws you closer to the Lord. You see, the reason I love this show and the reason I wanted to work with this show over many of the other platforms that I was doing business with as a guest is because this show has this incredible blend of giving you information, but we don't just leave you hanging there. It's not like we just dump you off on the corner of, of Doomsday Street. We work really hard to bring you tools and to bring you hope and to inform each of you that you are created fiercely in the image of God, that you have nothing to fear. I used to sign off in 2013 with Doug and Joe. I used to say all the time, fear and faith cannot coexist, and it's true. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the substance of all things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen happens to be my favorite scripture in the Bible. But looking forward, you know, what we intend to do is is 
uh, nourish these new partnerships with with Rebel Media, Rebel TV, Worldview Weekend, WorldNet Daily, the Trends Journal, um, the Josh Tolley Show, the Common Sense Show. We've got a lot of friends out there, and, and thank you so much, Lord, for our friends. I mean, they... Amen to that. A- amen, brother. Um, but there's so much more that we've got to do. And, folks, if you go look back through the calendar the last few months, you'll see tons of guests uh, from World uh, from WorldNet Daily, from WorldView Weekend, from the Josh Tolley Show. We bring Josh on all the time now. Brandon House joins us regularly. The other thing that's been really cool is we're starting to, Doug, we're starting to break some pretty hot news stories. I mean, just in yeah, the last are. eight weeks, you heard it here on the Hagman and Hagman Report. We brought, we brought Josh Tolley in. And he talked about uh, the meeting he had at the state house in Missouri with a whistleblower who had who had proof positive that they were rubber stamping immigrants with no vetting whatsoever. Folks, handing them driver's licenses and social and security passports. cards. Yeah, passports right off the plane. So let me explain to you. It's it, it's not that we don't want them traveling, you know, on vacation as Americans. It's that your tax dollars are paying for everything they do. We broke that here on Hagman. I got a call early one morning from Josh. He's like, John, I need airtime. I said, no problem, brother. A couple of weeks later, we bring Brandon House in. Guess what? Sioux Falls, uh, uh, North Dakota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Doug. One of the Dakotas. South. Yeah. It's late, folks. It's been a long work day. Sioux Falls. Uh, Brandon House is uh, has got a Christian conference going there. And what happens? A Muslim walks in with a T-shirt reading, "I am Muslim and I am armed. Don't do anything stupid, and you won't get hurt." And he's streaming it live on Facebook. He proceeds. Uh, the, we, we know. We know what a great uh, uh, avenue of, of that is. Facebook Live. I mean, uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh. this guy's streaming it on Facebook Live, uh, and and he proceeds back out to his vehicle where he where he unstraps three handguns from himself with a couple of other loaded long guns in the back seat. This guy was ready to rock and roll. Again, that broke on World uh, on Worldview Weekend, and we did the follow-up about four hours later on the Hagman and Hagman Report. So, folks, what we intend to do moving forward, uh, we intend to continue to, to search far and wide. And I just want to tell all of you tonight, you know, what kind of a little bit of what my life is like. I never rest. I work 24-7 to find the coolest stories, the most applicable stories, the most profound stories. And frankly, I look for stories that are going to pop you folks right between the eyes. That's I gotta, what I, I look for. You, I got to tell you, folks, John and I, in the morning, since John's been here, okay, we race each other to the uh, to the studio and office just to see who gets here first. All right? Look, I could, I could roll in here at, you know, 6 a.m., and he's well. Where you been? I've been here since you know ten to six. <laughs> all right. It's like all every day, and and his phone begins ringing at, at between six and seven, and and I watch him. And I got to tell you, it's a, it's it's a gift. It's a it's it's his gift of time, but it's a, a sacrifice. And he, there, you know, John's working uh, because of you listening and you viewing this. If you have sent an email, if you send a letter, and and. Uh, he, he's responding to your requests as well. Hey, can you get this person on? Can you get that person on? Can you follow this up or that up? But yeah, twenty four seven. This guy is like, oh, and that's not to say you know, uh, you know what was or you know how great we are. It's just we have to do this because if we don't, um, well, what good are we? I guess. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Well, I, Doug, I and thank you for the kind words. I don't think. I mean, to be perfectly blunt, I don't think we know how to stop. Yeah. Uh, when I, well, first of all, it's cathartic. Uh, when you can imagine, folks, that uh, here at the Hagman Report, you know, we have the the unique blessing of receiving information all day, every day, and I mean every day. It's a seven day a week gig. Uh, imagine a day where, in the same day, you hear from 
uh, Stuart Rhodes from Oath Keepers, uh, Russ Dizdar and his investigations, Craig Sawman Sawyer, who's going after the Pedogate people. You get a call from Tara in London, and then you wrap up the day with uh, Paul McGuire's insights on what's happening in the spiritual warfare world. That's one day. And that's before the show even starts. Yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 before we go live. That's before Tech Eric turns on the lights, the mics, and and, and the cameras. So, so what we are what we intend to do, folks, moving forward, is we content we we intend to continue bringing. Uh, Context uh, on all of the levels that that comprise who we are as God's creation. Okay, we're going to nourish you on the spiritual level, and we're never going to let that go. But make no mistake about it, folks. We are not a ministry per se. We are a a media platform that recognizes the preeminence and the importance of ministry. Thus, we bring in Pastor David Langford, Pastor Flip Benham. We're going to run Mike Gendron again next month. Uh, we're bringing back uh, Dr. Bill Warner and Bill Salas. Uh, I've been working on the June calendar week. I'm not going to go into it tonight, but we've got an awesome month planned for you folks. And, and, and you know something, John? I, I just have to say this. If Look, you could have, you can be listening to the greatest conservative talk radio show in the, in, on the planet. If they don't contextualize the information, that the, the, the news through a Christian biblical worldview and, and, and scripture worldview, that bias, you're not getting the whole picture. That's why Steve Quayle talks about giants, for example, because they will play a role in end times. That's why we talk about, well, insert subject here, okay, biblical subject here. Yet the cons- many of the conservatives laugh. They mock. They ridicule conservatives and even some Christians. Oh, yeah, you seen Bigfoot yet? <laughs> you know, well, bugger off. How's that? Yeah, I'm just laughing, Doug, because you said, and even some Christians, and I'm not here. Look, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and the body is made of many different parts, and the hand cannot do what the mouth can, and, and the feet do not do what the elbows do, etc. We all know this is biblical, but the hardest world I move around in day in and day out on the Hagman Report is among the brethren. You know, our friend and a dear friend, old friend of the show, uh, Dr. Tom Horn, uh, wrote that book, Blood on the Altar, a few years back. And how prescient, Doug, was that title? <laughs> yeah, it's been cited in a few legal documents. I'll just leave it at that. But we're living in that time, Blood on the Altar. And and those Christians out there who want to mock and scoff and say, oh, you know, well, I'll turn it back to you, John. Well, thank you. And, you know, there's, there's, there's power in redemption. And coming from Hollywood, you know, I, I grew up in the Christian music scene. My dad is one of the pioneer Christian contemporary music and Christian rock promoters. He got his thing started back in the late seventies. So I grew up around like the big time Christian music scene. I went on tour with bands when I was a kid and I was, uh, I was even in this state in Pennsylvania a number of times as a kid going to the big creation festival down in the southern end of the state. And, uh, so that was my life. It was my world. And I used to scratch my head and wonder a lot, you know, why does so, why does so much of this Christian rock just not really cut it, you know? And I felt terrible because it put food on the table and it was my dad's business. I was always respectful, but I used to think, why can't I get fully into this stuff? And then, uh, when I moved to Hollywood back in 98 and I started working in film, I used to wonder the same thing. Why, to, to quote an old Christian rocker, Larry Norman, he used to have a song, you know, why does the devil have all the good music? Well, in Hollywood, I used to look around and say, why does the devil own this town? I mean, we understand, and folks, if you're familiar with my work, the, the devil does own Hollywood, but God owns film. 
And the filmmakers may be errant, they may be strayed sheep, but they are still God's children. So I would ask myself, Doug and Joe, why aren't there any good Christian films? And I and I challenge our listeners and viewers tonight, if you are a storyteller, if you aspire to filmmaking, get busy, because in my humble opinion, aside from some of the stuff Peerflix does, there still aren't that many good Christian films. And I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the gauntlet down right now. The reason why, folks, is because if you are afraid to look at the bottom of the gutter of hopelessness, if you are afraid, if you're cowardly and you can't deal with the Luciferian machinations of Washington, D.C., if you want to turn your back and, and pretend that there's no satanic agenda in Hollywood, if you're cool with buying your little girl a Beyonce record or a Kesha record, I've got news for you. You need to look at the gutter, and then you need to look at redemption. And that's the dynamic that we strive for on this show. I'm not saying we hit it uh, uh, 100% of the time, but praise God, our batting average is increasing. And so what I intend to do as the producer and the program director of this show, um, it, it, believe me, folks, it's 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 a lot of work. It's many different facets, and we just don't have time tonight for me to describe all the different things those two job titles entail. But I will tell you this. The fight, okay, and folks, I know many of you joining us right now are on the front line of the fight, teeth to teeth, and that's exactly where I want you to be because that's where I'm at, and if I'm there by myself, I get scared. So get on my shoulder, brothers, okay, and here's the deal. This fight is not just in the United States. It's not a fight between Hillary and Trump. It's not a fight between George W. Bush and Obama or whoever. The fight is global, okay? The fight is between those that would rob you of your individuality and those that would, in the name of the betterment of your fellow man, steal your liberty. And you want to know why I know stealing your liberty is straight from the pits of hell? Because, folks, if you don't have the liberty that the God, God Almighty birthed you with, if that liberty is taken from you under the jackboot of tyranny, as our previous guest Patrick Wood great exposés over the years on how they gussy it up. Oh, it's sustainable development. It's green living. No, it's tyranny. It's other people controlling your life and ultimately taking your liberty from you. And again, how do I know this is straight from the devil? Because without your personal liberty, you lack the start point to determine to to, to give your life to Christ. Doug? I love it. And, and there it is. So this this is important this segment is important so everyone knows where we are coming from our commitment to you we are not we are not just content to exist or content to oh navigate around the censorship the revenue hits the um banning as john mentioned earlier the uh uh you search for an article it's not you know it's two or three pages into into whatever um, into oblivion, I suppose. We're we're not going to uh, we're not going to let that stop us or even deter us. We are going to double down. And I know that my words, though doubling down, oh, as a Christian, that's got connotations of gambling. And you know, what are these idiots, these complete morons, come up with crap like that? You know, the sanctimonious people. But but, but that aside, of course, you know that'll get me a couple of stars on a few blogs. But uh, that aside, <laughs> you know, it, it's been. A, it's been a long day. Here's here's what we're going to do, folks. Um, first of all, uh, those of you who are familiar with me and, and the time I've worked with the Hagmans, you know that I do my best, and, and I do fail at it sometimes, but I really try to keep a very open line of communication between myself and all of you. 
Admittedly, it does sometimes take me a couple days to turn emails around, but folks, I get, I, I just get bombarded. Doug wasn't kidding when he said my phone rings basically around the clock. And so, but I'm, I'm, I want to hear from you folks in this respect, okay? Many of the, of the awesome guests we've brought on, uh, over the, what, eight or nine months I've been producing the show have come out of our chat. I want to give a special shout out to all the moderators in chat. Thank you guys. We, we just love the fact these folks are kind of like the deacons of our quote unquote fellowship hall. So shout out to all the Hagman, Hagman chat mods. But, uh, but back to my point, uh, many of the guest ideas come directly from you folks and you can email me here at the studio. Uh, just put John in the subject line, guest suggestion. And I want to give you folks an idea of kind of where we're going. We're going to be looking at this fight that I was referring to a moment ago from a more global perspective, okay? So you're going to start hearing from some areas that really heretofore we acknowledge, but they just, we haven't flipped the sidewalk and looked at the dirt underneath, and we're going to start doing that. We're going to be hearing more about prison ministries. We're going to be hearing more about the mission field. We're going to be hearing more about the, the greatest robbery in the history of humanity, which is the, the bank heist that, that is the Federal Reserve. If those of you, those of you who aren't quite don't have a, a, a good comprehensive understanding of the fact that what you carry in your wallet is essentially Luciferian script that represents debt, you hang with us in the month of June. We're going to get you straightened out. We're going to help you understand that much of what your life is identifiable as up to this point is a fallacy because much of the consensus that you share with all of your neighbors and coworkers and, and friends who are not under the blood of Christ, who are not healed by his stripes, that consensus is a bunch of garbage. It's a Luciferian deception. And I would, Doug, Joe, I would would humbly suggest to the listeners and the viewers out there tonight, you stick with us here at Hagman Report. Like I said, we're not going to knock it out of the park every night, but we're going to try, and we're going to go down swinging every night. That's right. You know, and, yeah. and, and realize, folks, that this is an opportunity for you to trust in the Lord and and believe that he can break you out of the construct you're living in. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. I'm going to tell you something. It's not an accident that you work and you work and you work and you live check to check and most of you are one with no disrespect intended. Most of you are one or two checks away from broke. That's not a that's not an accident. It's not an accident that your kids Many of them have turned into what we sort of, I'm not huge on the term, but we derisively call snowflakes. They melt at the slightest provocation. They have no life skills whatsoever. They think there's oh, an app. <laughs> they think there's an app on their iPhone when, when they have to deal with a clogged toilet and see how far that gets you. So, so this is a tool, folks. This is your show. Okay. This is all of our show. And remember, every night when you tune in or when you join us on the YouTube stream, uh, the content that we're bringing you comes from one of you because I am one of you. I was a listener to this show, knocking around LA, no girlfriend, kind of lonely, a little worried about myself frankly because I'm starting to believe, you know, that there's giants and dang, I'm buying a lot of ammo. <laughs> but just just keep in mind that this show is being built by by good men and women of God who are humble. We're tough and we're salty. You know, you you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. <laughs> but but we really care about your relationship with the Lord. And I think, I won't speak for Doug and Joe here, I'll speak for myself. But folks, if you've been walking on the wrong side of the tracks, if you've got scuffs and scrapes and scars and, 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 and your boots are looking like they've seen their better day, you're not alone. I, I'm sitting not, here. Not in the least. Not in the least, man. That's the people right. that bring you this show, we're just, we're regular guys, okay? We wear jeans, we wear boots, we wear pocket knives. Sometimes we say the wrong things, sometimes we do the wrong things, but we lean on the Lord. And, uh, you know, Doug, Joe, 
I, I just, I'm, I'm amazed every week, every night when we put the show to bed, what God does. Because speaking for myself personally, John Robertson, the producer of the show, when I drive the car, tin car pileups, blood all over the freeway. You I make a that, mess right. of things. Yeah. When I acquiesce and I have faith in the Lord and he drives the car, we get to bring you shows like this one. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just, I, we felt it important today to announce, of course, the new mandate, the, the fact that we, here we are, 2017, the growth, what, what we expect to do, we expect to grow. We're asking for your support as well, whether it be prayer, even if, you know, if, look, prayer works, financial support to help us grow, to help us maintain and grow. Um, the word of mouth is so important. Subscribing to our YouTube channel is so important. Talking about us on social networking is so important. We want to be recognizable out there in the masses. And also to let you know that we are, of course, we are going to be working, now that we have John on board as well, we're going to be working to deliver a, a, the most superior product we can to you every single night. And we're going to be in the trenches as well during the day. We have, we have uh, developed a, a great team of, uh, I'll just say investigators because that's what most of them are. A couple of them are not investigators, but they're, they're in the, the investigative field that are working, um, pro bono to go out and infiltrate these fascist groups and to, to infiltrate other areas as well to bring you a, a, a an ex, you know, exclusive product of information. So all of this combined, we've got the production end of it with John, we've got the reporting end of it, we've got the technical side with Eric. All of this combined, the team is now assembled, and we are just going to be henceforth going forward, and we ask that you come along, join us, um, and, and you know what? I, I Look, we don't know what the out- outcome is going to be. The outcome is up to God, but the effort is up to us, and I mean us. Come along. The water's fine. Jump in. Join us. And uh, I just want to say thank you to each one of you out there from my heart to the viewers and listeners. And I certainly want to say thank you to John for uh, making the decision and uh, being part of this team, giving up Hollywood. Well, or Hollywood gave him up. I'm not sure, you know. But the fact of the matter is, going to be uh, kicking some butt, taking some names, and uh, going to carry you through the other side. All right, uh, we got what about a minute left? Yeah, a minute left. That was a, a great hour, John. Um, you laid out a lot, and I hope it, it gave people some insight as to uh, you know what has been behind the changes that have been being made in the programming. You know the number of guests, and and um, you know we take uh, ideas all the time from from listeners, whether it's guest ideas or show ideas or segment ideas, and you know that helps us a lot. And uh, one of the things is that I want to reiterate, John, uh, that you said you're I'm always looking for the the next story. What's the email, people? Give me the email out again for people. You know what, Joe? Thank you for that. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give my my email. This is the email I conduct business with. It's my last name then first name. It's Robertson R O B. B E R S O N J O N at Gmail. R O B B E R S O N J O N at Gmail. Just put guest suggestion in the subject line. Doug and Joe, I want to thank you for bringing me on board, for having trust in me and faith in me, and and uh, pardon the blood stains on the stage, gentlemen. Thank you. Hey, well, thank you, John. God bless your brother. And uh, you know, it's 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 great to to look out and see John and Eric the Tech and everyone. Thank you so much. And I'll tell you something. 
saddle for battle. Saddle for battle, because it's, uh, yeah, and put your seat backs and tray tables in their full upright and log position, because you're going to, it's going to get bumpy. Well, that will do it for us tonight. Uh, thank you to John. Thank you to Patrick Wood, who was our, our guest tonight, and that was a very uh, interesting interview. And we will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, God bless, and have a great evening. 